I'm a hat rack. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathes. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Vitrificus Totalis. So Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I want to say that. Chief, please, I can't. Don't. You have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love. I'm not going to say. Love I'm scene. not made of stone. I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? After picture, he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> he's having a little conversation with his friend. Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I don't yes. think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasped it I out. Th- I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. He's beating his chest. He's ravaging her. Not, no, he's, he's not. not. Yes. He's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Do you? own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. Nate, I love him, oh. and he's good, and we're gonna find out he's good, and, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical to me. <laughs> Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. What happens is as people get older, their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I married. This is like the Manhattan Project. Her man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read... Okay, the two Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that, Moses is the guy that was lost in the desert for like 40 years that just got inspired confidence and crime fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch, not while on the toilet. There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have wank. Swear to God, Ryan, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional group of people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Potterfic Weekly. Hello? 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 Hello?
That's like the sick sounding ring. I mean, it just, it sounds like it's like, oh, <laughs> like it's about to die or something. I don't know. Hello? 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 Hi. Hi. Hi, Jen. Oh my Hi. God, it's Jen. Mike? Yeah, how's it going? Good. Who said hi before Mike? Uh, it might have been me. Which is who? <laughs> Tina, who is that? Brian, who is here? Tina, Rina. Hi, guys. Brian is not. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> Actually not here, and he's not going to be here for a little while. Oh. Wait, who else are we calling? Hey. Hey, P.S. Hey, Mike. Who else is in there? Jen, Tina, Rina. Hey, everybody. Hello. Jen, what have you been up to? How's it going? Me? Whatever the next you? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Papa chicka bow wow. So when's the uh, due date? Um, February 8th right now. Oh my god, that's two days before my birthday. <laughs> Find out whether it's a boy or girl or let it be a surprise. I think, no, I could never wait that long. I think, what's the sign out? 12 or 14 weeks, something like that? You're talking to the girl who had to read the last page of Deathly Hallows before she started the book. <laughs> I did the same thing. Oh, my God. I didn't know you did that, Jen. I didn't do that. I did that. When I was, I, the furthest I ever skipped ahead in a book was when I was reading Deathly Hallows. I was in the middle of the final battle, and I decided to flip ahead to see what the last bit was like. And I saw the phrase 19 years later, and I, I got terrified and skipped back to the regular book. Oh, really? See, if I had done that, I would have just, that would have ruined it. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was disappointing as is when I got there. <laughs> There's certain sorts of books that I know when I start them, I don't want to read it if it has a certain ending, so I read the ending first. Oh, oh see, I can't do that. Destroys. I always do that. Yeah. I cannot. Do I, that. I have done that since I was a very small child, and and the only good thing about it is that I have such a short attention span that usually by the time I get to the end of the book, I've forgotten about it. <laughs> And so it, it still comes as a surprise. I saw him again. Exactly. That's only happened to me once, and it was a fic in another fandom, and I was I didn't want to read it unless the ship that I shipped was the ship, the final ship, 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 ship. So I checked to see, because, like, the last chapter was called The Wedding. So I checked to see who was getting married before I started the fic. Oh. Well, I, oh. I did that too. I do, I do admit doing it to the sixth book. I Because everybody knew, if y'all recall, before the book came out, because all those people spoiled it for everyone, that, you know, Dumbledore was going to die. And, and so I, I flipped to, to see if that was actually true or not. And it was. And I was, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll, be, I'll be sad when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you my story about Dumbledore dying, because I thought he died in order. Because I read the chapter titles and it said the only one he ever feared. And I thought that would be a great title for the chapter where he died. And I haven't seen you, Jen, in like months. I know. It's been, it has been almost two months, I think. It's been a while. I have just been, I guess most people's pregnancies are just sort of, oh, that's just a nuisance to be a little, to me, it's just like all-encompassing, gross and awful. And like, I just wish that, <laughs> you know, that the days would pass and... <laughs> we have to like, save this recording so we can show this to your kid in like 15 years. No, well, James and I, you know, I was like one of those people that I was like, oh, pregnancy, you know, creating life and the wonders of blah. <laughs> and now that I'm actually pregnant, I'm like, James, we're getting our tubes tied after this one. I'm not doing it again. Oh, and no, don't make any <laughs> decisions. I was like, no, I was like, I really don't think. 
I was like, we're either going to have one spoiled rotten child or we're going to have to adopt because I'm not doing this again. Oh, see, no, I never but, felt better than when I was pregnant. See, I've heard that. It just disgusts me. Because <laughs> 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 really, I have just been awful. <laughs> like, it's been the worst feeling ever. I told Ryan, oh. I was like, this is worse than chemo. <laughs> this is awful. Are you still in your first trimester or the second now? Yeah. I'm still in the, I'm at the very end of my first. Yeah, that'll pass. So, yeah, I've heard, I'm hoping. And my mother ever so helpful. She was like, I just threw up all nine months. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) 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 At least you're not going to be like seven months pregnant in July. Or nine months pregnant in July. We were excited that I scheduled it, that I'd be really big over the winter. Because if I was huge in 104 degree weather, I think I would really kill over and die. And <laughs> I don't know if Ryan told y'all today, you know, I had my first OB visit a couple of weeks ago and I did some blood work and blah, blah, blah. And I just got the results today. Oh, positive and blah, blah, blah. And everything's good. And they were like, everything looks great. But um, something's wrong. You had E. coli. I was like, <laughs> what? What? Like, like the mad cow thing? What? Yeah. So apparently I'm being treated for E. coli right now. Wow. Isn't that weird? Are you even kidding me? No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, sweet and Jesus. So that might be why you're so sick. Brilliant. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here she's blaming it on the poor <laughs> And she's got... <laughs> I know. Okay, I wait a minute. Ryan, like, I, I know, I know. <laughs> e. coli does not cause mad Sorry, there is no sound effect for E. coli. <laughs> no, I, will I'm say this, I will say this. My mom and her sister... And my cousin and pretty much every other woman that I've ever known who was pregnant, they all got sicker in their pregnancies when they had boys instead of girls. Oh, Oh. no. I want a girl. Don't say that. What's wrong with the boy? Hey. I want a girl. Now we are playing this recording for your son in 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Because if we have a boy, Ryan is going to make me name this kid Ryan. This is what you do. Seriously, this is what you do. Because I did this. My husband loved the name Rosalind. And he said, if we ever had a kid, we were going to have to name a kid Rosalind. And I think that's the stupidest name. So I convinced my sister-in-law to name her cat Rosalind so that we couldn't name a kid after the cat. Brilliant! So the cat. Oh, (laughs) So there you go. Find somebody and convince them to have a pet and name it Ryan. My brother-in-law had a ferret named Samantha, and we... Ended up naming our daughter Samantha, so I don't know what that says about us. But well, my sister named her new cocker spaniel Sammy Georgia, and Sammy, my aunt, is coming to visit us tomorrow and meet the dog. Like, is it worse that the dog is named after the human? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) More of like a tribute kind of thing, I guess. Like a tribute. In Judaism, you're not allowed to name a kid after a living person. Yeah, that's right. In Judaism, you don't name children after living relatives. Really? So there's what? no juniors or anything like or that? Or thirds or fourths. Yeah, there's no... Unless, unless the They're father deceased. died during the yeah. pregnancy. But even because is that something about the name is sacred? Is that... I, In all honesty, I don't know what Julia would say. I've heard a few different things. I've heard people tell me it comes from a superstition based on um, the angel of death. I've heard people tell me that that's false and that's just the urban legend. And Okay. Well, I, Julia, when you listen, oh, please post and let us know why. Why that is. Shalom. You have reached Puffwa's resident Jew. 
I understand you guys had questions about the customs of naming children after living people and why you're not allowed to do it. Um, the answer to your question is, you are allowed to do it. And in fact, um, Sephardic Jews do it all the time. For those of you who do not know, Sephardic Jews are Jews that are descended from Spain and the Middle East, um, whereas Ashkenazic Jews are Jews that are descended from Eastern Europe. Um, Jewish culture in America is based mostly on Ashkenazi uh, culture, just because there are more Ashkenazim over here. But if you go to Israel, it's pretty much all Sephardic. But to answer your question... As I'm sure most of you know, the custom in Judaism is to name your children for your loved ones, living or dead. Um, naming is very important because there are certain qualities attached to every single Jewish name, and every single Jewish name has a very important meaning. We, we you know, choose our names for our children very carefully. Um, we also have the custom to name after people in order to honor them. Now, Ashkenazim, who are the Eastern European ones, would never, ever name a child after a living relative. Um, because we're a very superstitious group. We would not want the angel of death to mistake the infant for the adult and take the wrong one by accident. So we don't uh, play around with that. And so we would never, ever, ever name after the living. Um, Sephardic Jews, however, do it all the time. Um, and they consider it a sign of huge respect to, you know, name your baby after someone that you love who's still alive. Um, but either way, the custom of naming after a relative is really cool because, as I said, there are qualities attached to the names, and so these qualities are then attached to the people. So if, for example, your grandmother was a very sweet, a very loving, and formidable uh, woman, you would name your daughter after your grandmother. Um, but if you are Ashkenazic, you would have to wait until she died. I hope that helped. My grandmother wouldn't let my parents name me Nona because Nona was a baby in the family that died when she was a baby and she thought it was bad luck. I could oh see that being That's a bit morbid. something you don't want to do. Yeah. The other, the other big one in, in Judaism is that they're not allowed to bring any baby stuff into the house until the baby's born. Well, that's just inconvenient. That's the, the that's for the superstition. Most of the time, they'll just like buy it and but leave it at a friend's house, but it's for the superstition. Huh. I guess that um, makes my mom sense, didn't though. Like, you don't have to come home to, like, a, a nursery if, if your baby, you know, if you had difficulties. You don't have to come home to a baby room. But what you can do, we're not going to think way. about that. <laughs> we're going to think no. positive. Give the middle name as Ryan, so it's something Ryan McVeigh. I know. Well, James said, James, my husband, evidently, okay, as we're talking about namesakes, like, the firstborn son of all the male people in his family like, these are the things you don't find out until you're married for a year or two, and then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have to name our firstborn son this because that's what we do. And I'm like, um, no. But he, our son has to have the middle name Russell, which I hate. I hate that oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. My husband is Sorry, John Tyler. Russell's out there, but I hate that name, and I don't, I don't like the idea of being forced to find a first name to go with the middle name Russell yeah. just because it's My husband it's is John Tyler. Like, his father is John Dennis. His grandfather is John Carl. Before that was a John David and then a John Samuel. And so I have to name my firstborn son John. And I think that is just the dumbest name. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> That's right. You're liberated. <laughs> I'm a liberated woman. We have a John thing in our family, too. But John Walter, John 
Oh, it just goes on and on. But everybody's named John. What you should do well, is then, well, it's a tradition in my family that the firstborn girls all named, pick a really horrible name. So the compromise is you both drop the pre-name thing. My there mother's name is Edwina Ernestine. I don't think I get much worse than that. It's a cool <laughs> name. Oh. I, I like My that. grandmother is like, why doesn't anyone name anybody after me? I'm like, your name is Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'm not sure. no. I, my mother-in-law fully expects me to name a child Gainey. What? How do you even Gainey? spell that? G-A-I-N-E-Y. That sounds like something somebody would call a grandparent. I know, I've never short, heard that before. Is that short for anything? No. It's just Gainey. That was apparently her grandmother's name or something. I don't know. My family never was not big into naming after people. I mean, I am named after a character on the Waltons. Yeah. My sister is named after my grandmother's horse. <laughs> my brother, his name was supposed to be Ashley Jane until he was born and they discovered he was a Brandon. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> never been this, oh, we're going to name you after somebody. But everyone in my husband's family is named after someone. And I'm just like, okay, maybe that's just a weird, small town, southern thing. But, you know, that ain't going to fly with me. <laughs> I said, and then I said, okay, you don't realize, okay, if we named him after my grandfather, and and I love my grandfather to death, but his name, his honest to God name is Dick Ring. (laughs) 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 His name is Dick. Their family name is Ring. And so I have another, my other grandfather's name is Harry. Oh, I like Harry. My grandfather's name was Eugene, but I also had a great grandmother who was called Ione. I O N E. Ione. Ione, yeah. Isn't that strange? I think I'll just name it Cletus or something like that. Cletus. Cletus. Time for dinner. Cletus. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The elementary school. Or you could just go with Bubba. The, the elementary school I went to in New Orleans was Saint Cletus. Really? <laughs> I think that's the most awful name ever. <laughs> But anyway, it's it's neat to be pregnant. I think it's it's it, different than I thought it would be, and yet not totally unpleasant. Yeah, well, don't wish it away. Don't well, wish okay. it away. No, no wait definitely until, not. Wait until you get rid of the E. coli before yeah. you decide to fake <laughs> being pregnant. Yeah, I started okay. those antibiotics, which are baby safe apparently, um, tonight. So I'm supposed to be on the heavy stuff for seven days, and then another set of stuff for a month. Yeah, E. coli is not something you want to mess with because. Surprised me, like how many drugs they actually do allow. Which I'm not like super drugs while I'm pregnant, but there are certain things that I have to take for my health, and I've been assured several times that those few things are acceptable. You know that that's okay. You know what's going to suck though when you get a cold this winter and you can't take ibuprofen and you can't take Nyquil and you can't uh, Tylenol and Robitussin. That's all you can take. I've never taken any of those things. Yeah. What do you do when you have a medications cold? that I'm on? Normally, if I don't, my fever's under 102, I take nothing. If it goes over, I'll take a Tylenol. You build up a resistance. All, we're all a bunch of I guess. <laughs> well, you know, there's also, when it comes to medication and pregnancy, I mean, and I, I say this now because I'm taking this uh, pharmacology class right now. So I'm learning about all this good stuff. But um, they, they have the ratings on medicines that tell you yeah. if you can take a- them. You know, A, B, C, and all that kind of stuff. And and most over-the-counter drugs, they will know off the bat, okay, yes, no, maybe so. Yeah. You know, they'll be able to tell you. With prescription drugs, the hard part is when you get into medicines that people need. 
yeah. because like, they can't example, function without it. inhalers. Exactly. I am a very severe asthmatic, and I had even stepped up to taking Zopinex as a rescue inhaler. And you can't take Zopinex while you're pregnant. So I had to go back to albuterol because albuterol, I think it's safe if you take it frequently, but it is okay to take as an emergency inhaler. I would talk to your pulmonologist about the Zopinex because Zopinex is, they call it albuterol light. It's it's albuterol without you know, the side stuff. I, did, I, do, I, have a pulm, I do have a pulmonologist and they said that there's something in the Zopinex that is it's like it's it's a it's a it's a letter down the list than albuterol is. At the same time, it gets to the point where you have to make that choice, with especially with asthma medications, with certain anti-seizure medicines if you have epilepsy, yeah. uh, certain antidepressants, antipsychotics, you know, it's stuff like that where you have to say, okay, yes, this medicine might have a bad side effect on the baby. However, if mom stops breathing. Baby's not breathing either, you know, (laughs) whatever side effect it might have by stepping back on your medication to an, to a lesser form or a less potent medication. You know, if it's not working, it's not helping the baby any. I think think Jen's going to be a really cool mom. Oh, thanks. I think, I think the hardest thing to give up though is the caffeine. Yeah. I've seen two lists and so I'm kind of like going in between. I saw one where it was like you can't have more than one cup of coffee a day. Like that, that's it. That's the caffeine for the day. And then the other that said you could have up to three cups of coffee and no more than six cans of Coke every day. I'm like, oh my gosh, who drinks six cans of Coke every day? Like, are you kidding me? Holy cow, that, uh, that's more than any normal person should drink, even if they're not pregnant. I know. That's <laughs> For Sunday, August 3rd, 2008, this is episode 53 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. be again a podcast quite like this one brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Okay, welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Renna. I'm Dan. Mike. I'm P.S. And I'm Tina. And we are starting our new story this week, which is very exciting. We've wrapped up the living with danger stuff. Had a great interview with, with Anne. She's lots of fun to work with. How is everyone doing this week? Well, everyone keeps laughing at me, but I have a mortal fear of cockroaches. And I woke up a few days ago and there was one like inches from my face just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my I reaction. Freak. I, I, I did freak uh, I was too bad kids is not here she could talk how like I was panicking for like uh, days. So, I'm on the computer late one night, doing computery things, and I get a Skype message, and it's Mike, and he's slightly freaked out. So, of course, I ask him why, 
thinking he may have had some sort of near-death experience or seen his hand double on the street or something. You know, something freaky, out of the ordinary or unusual in any way, shape or form. And Mike says, I woke up and there was a cockroach right there. It was near him. It remained hidden somewhere, its beady little eyes watching and waiting for the chance to get him. So I said, relax. And he says, but it's serious. How can I go back to sleep? It's still in there. He was like, it's taken over my bedroom and my life. The little pyromaniac was about to get his blowtorch out and torch the blanket. So, in a feat of great heroics to save Mike and in a random building somewhere in New York, I abandoned whatever I was doing to save Mike from the cockroach. Mike commenced gagging when I told him how I picked up one off my foot and I threw it against my bedroom wall, and then that's when he confesses that he calls the exterminator. So I was like, you called the exterminator for one cockroach. He's like, yeah, whatever. And then he hysterically recounts the attack on the cockroach by various bedroom items, but it has evaded capture and escaped to the depths of his bedroom. I'm like, dude, it's a cockroach, not the plague. Apparently, his cockroach phobia is huge. I'm like, no kidding. So I did my Mr. Miyagi impression. Breathe in, breathe out. Don't forget to breathe. But Mike ignored the breathing thing, and he began a somewhat long rant about how he couldn't sleep in the room, and he'd have to throw out the bedding, and he wouldn't be able to touch his books, and all his clothes were in there. I suggested the use of gloves, and introduced him to the world of bed linen washing and disinfectant. The next crisis involved dire predictions that if the cockroach escaped, before the exterminator got there, it could come back, hide somewhere he couldn't see it, and lie in wait for him. I turned ruthless. I'm like, look, Mike, I think they use killing gas. It'll be fine. He needs to kill it for me, he says. This exterminator has to kill it for him, and he has to tell me it won't come back, and I can't sleep in there for at least a week. So Mike's going to sleep in his lounge on a chair for a week because of this cockroach. So I'm like, Mike, no one's going to hunt for it and destroy one cockroach. Go to the supermarket, get a roach bomb. So then Mike's like, what's a roach bomb? And in the cockroach, he's like, it's on my bed. And, then, and I'm just like, okay. So I explain the purpose and execution of roach bombs. Mike considers moving apartments like he did every other time he saw a cockroach. And I'm like, you move every time you see a cockroach? Dude, get a roach bomb. Mike returns to the fact that it was on his bed and he compliments me on my calmness. I'm like, well, I'm half a world away in a cockroach-free environment and I am Kesa, the cockroach slayer. That one that hit my bedroom wall didn't stand a chance. So Mike's clinging to my comforting and calming presence on Skype and he keeps going on about how nasty cockroaches are and he doesn't even keep food in the house because he doesn't want to attract them. So I explain to him the concept of getting rid of any germs by cleaning. Mike then informs me that he's on the table hyperventilating. What if the cockroach touched him? I'm like, nothing. Nothing happens if a cockroach touches you. Mike's like, what about the rabies? No, there is no rabies. So then he goes to his room to have a look, and he threw books and paper towel at the corner where it was, and then he thinks the exterminator is going to think he's crazy because of the books and paper towel that he's thrown. And I'm like... He's not even going to think that's the crazy part. (laughs) So I'm explaining the concept of rubber gloves and washing clothes and the use of roach bombs. And Mike is jumping at everything he sees out the corner of his eye that resembles a cockroach like pens and, and marbles. You know, that sort of thing. So it's been 45 minutes and Mike's like, where's the exterminator? I'm like, Mike, I'm pretty sure they don't see one cockroach as an emergency. It's not the fire service. So he seems fairly calm, right? I think we're going well. Well, Richard decides to tell him that cockroaches lay eggs under your skin. So there I am, googling for evidence to the contrary and yelling at Richard on Skype. What did you tell him that for? And Richard is just laughing his head off. 
So Mike debates leaving the house, but he's worried that the cockroaches are going to have a party on his furniture while he's gone. So before he goes, he tells me his three rules of dating. Don't be ugly, don't be totally stupid, and have to be willing to deal with cockroaches. He is willing to compromise only on the first two. I still haven't been able to go make myself go back in and look for it or sleep in my bedroom. I've been sleeping in my living room because I can't make myself go back in. So. Yeah, see, I'm not afraid of them, but they squick me. It just makes me feel like it's dirty. You know? I will dirty. say this. Dirty. I will uh, say this. Um, they sell I, this thing. I didn't know they were up north very much. Honestly, I thought they were just oh, a real God, southern yes. thing. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I Technically, I was told technically it's a water bug most likely. Is what they said. That's what they say, but they, uh-uh. I swear those things are the grossest things. They are. The they're the, na- I, I they're will the say nasty. They sell this thing on television, and we bought one. Bought ah. Really? They told me that didn't work. We bought one of those Red X things that does the high-frequency sounds and stuff. We actually, through a stunning set of miscommunications, we got our apartment a week before all of our utilities were turned on, and so... We were not about to try and move into a house with no air conditioning right. in June. So oh. we went in and checked it out, and that's when we saw the roaches. And so I plugged that thing into the wall, and I have not seen any of them. It's too high for the dogs. Even too high for the dogs, huh? Yeah. The dogs can't hear it. It doesn't make any noise, and it works, man. It got really? everything out. Yeah, our problem is uh. I'm the only one left in the building, so apparently they're all like crawling out of the ba- the sub basement because no one else is living here. Yeah. So, how many nights have you been sleeping on your sofa? Since I don't know when did this happen? Uh, since Monday or Tuesday? It's a pain too. I don't sleep as well there. The I problem think is it's probably dead. I can't make myself go look. I can't make myself like pull out the furniture and go look for it because I want to see it again. Oh, my. I, I hate to tell you, Mike, but these things don't die in a nuclear blast. What makes you think it died in the last two days? The exterminator said they only live three days if they leave the sub-basement. Because they're water bugs, not regular. Oh, okay. would, that, that would freak me out, too, if it wasn't there, because then I'd be afraid to go back to sleep in the bed. And I the worst part my, is, it's my, the only room with air conditioning, is that room. Oh, I remember my sixth grade science teacher had those hissing roaches. Do you, have you all seen those? They're yes. like as long as your hand, and they they make this awful hissing noise. She used to put those as in long as hand. your hand. Yeah, like at yes. least. They're, I mean, they're really long. A bug. A bug. As long as your it's, hand. Yeah, it's a it's a roach. <laughs> like there's, I don't know where they're from. They're like oh, African. darling, have you ever been to Louisiana? No. <laughs> we get cows and bear and moose and bear. in Louisiana. No, in New Hampshire. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh. I was say well, we don't have as big as our hands. <laughs> I was like, it's a little warm down there. Or in Louisiana, you can't be squeamish about bugs. I will say, by the way, that I've noticed most people outside of New York City, when they call something a rat, it's not really a rat. It's just a mouse. People have no idea, I think, how big rats are. That Those things are freaking huge. Oh. I mean, I Jen see does. Them way. Didn't What's you that? find a dead rat in your studio, Jen, and you thought it was... Something yeah. else because it was so big. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. And you see one. I mean, they're huge. They're not very common here, I don't think. That was the first that I'd ever seen. Maybe the last. Oh, I hope so. Hi, everybody. This is Omley. Hate to interrupt. Brian just told me that he wanted me to take a moment and record this for you, so. Here's a true story. It's sad. It's funny. Um, if you're easily traumatized, you might want, want to listen forward a little bit, and we'll see how that goes. Anyway, 
this is true as far as I know. Um, the story happens to a friend of mine's dog sitter. So what happened was, she works in the Boston area, walking people's dogs during the day while they're out and working, and she went to Beacon Hill, which is a very nice area of Boston, um, to go walk this family's dog. And unfortunately, she got there and she found that the dog was dead. And obviously, she was very upset. She contacted the family. She didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do in a situation like this? So she called them and they were like, it's all right. It's all right. He was old and we knew this would happen. So we have arrangements made with our vet um, to take care of burial and everything else. Could you possibly take the dog to the vet? So she's thinking, I need to take the dead dog to the vet. Okay. Well, it gets better. Um, turns out, like many Bostonians, she doesn't have a car. So she somehow has to get the dead dog to the vet via public transportation. Now this seems like a pretty big task, so she points this out to the family and is like, well, you know, I don't have a car, I don't know how I'm going to, this is a pretty big dog, I don't know how I'm going to get him to the vet. And so between the two of them, they come up with a plan, and it involves taking the dog, wrapping it in towels, gently, humanely, in as much respect and everything that they can, and putting it in a suitcase, and then taking the suitcase on the tee. So she gets the dog, she gets on the tee okay, it's really heavy, because the dog is pretty big, but they somehow managed to get it in there, it's a big suitcase, and she's having some problems getting the suitcase wheeled around. And she's getting off the tee, and she finds that she's having some problems. And there's this very nice gentleman, and he asks her if she needs any help. And she's like, no, no, I've got it. But, of course, the tee doors close, and he manages to, you know, put his arm out and stop the doors, and he helps her get the suitcase off the train. And he goes, oh, my God, what do you have in here, rocks? So she thinks quickly and obviously doesn't want to say a dead dog because she's a little nervous about, you know, get taking a dead dog through public transportation anyway, besides the fact that, you know, is this regulated or something else, and promptly comes out with electronics. Well, um, the world is full of honest people, but what happens next is he stole the suitcase. He quickly snatched the suitcase and ran away with it as fast as he could. And she chased him and yelled and, you know, tried to get help. And it turns out the man got away with the suitcase. So, I don't know. I guess you have to wonder what happened when he opened the suitcase later. But my big question was, how did she tell the family? Can you imagine? But I don't know. Don't know the answer. I asked my friend and he didn't know either. Anyway, so back to your regular programming. So we're starting with with all my love this week, which is yes, why our very dear Lady Cheese out, so that we can say all of the be brutally honest about how we feel about the story and not have to yeah, have her sitting right there with us. <laughs> well, it's so weird that we're covering this now because I remember when she and I first met, like way back when. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm an author. I was like, you're an author? She's like, yeah, I've, I've written some stories. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I read this. And I don't know if, you, if y'all look on the um, on her thing. There, I think I did novel links. That was when I was still doing those novel link summaries. 
<laughs> on the first few chapters of her story, um, which is impressive because the, ver- the chapters aren't that long. Your your review is probably longer than the chapters. I think it's long. <laughs> <laughs> I think she even made that comment. And, and um, but yeah, I think it's so funny that we're finally covering it like a year later. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny when she first um, started leaving voicemails on the podcast, which. I remember too because I've been listening since the beginning, and I remember everyone was mispronouncing the name. Lady Kai. Lady Kai. Lady Chi here, and my name was pronounced Lady Kai, which I thought was kind of funny. It's Lady Chi, and I'm like, what is so difficult about freaking Lady Chi? But I kept thinking, wow, I've read her stuff. That's so cool. An author that I've read is talking on the podcast. It was, you know, one of those geeky dorky fandom <laughs> yeah, moments. Okay, okay, wait a minute. You can't talk about geeky dorky fandom moments without mentioning Ryan's complete fanboy episode <laughs> when we interviewed Arabella and Jenya. Holy crap! This is so exciting. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah, remember he, 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 he gets the prize. Okay, <laughs> he gets the prize. We all were fangirling and fanboiling. Boy, no, we only say that because Ryan is not is not here at the moment. <laughs> He had to defend himself. You know, let's, you know, he's probably listening to every word we're saying. History is mine! Ah, damn you all! I will be completely honest. I, I, I do not like Marauder Arafix. <gasps> Don't like them. I never have. And without being offensive to anyone who writes those, I don't think I ever will. They're, I mean, I, I just, I don't like them. So that is my disclaimer for this whole thing. Uh, nothing I against hear- Lady Chi. This is the, the only writes. one I like. It's just I I do not like. Oh, you said Marauder well, fakes. Yeah, yes. and the, the thing with oh, that is okay. is because I am a fan, and second to Harry and Ginny, Lily and James is like right under Harry and Ginny as my favorite ship. But a Marauder fic is very hard to do because it is too easy to go way over the top with it. So yeah. I have yeah. a really hard time finding ones I like. And this is one of the few that I do really enjoy. Yeah, because there's a small there's a, there's a fine there's a fine line between making James be a total ass and just being a a arrogant little prankster, and a fine line between making Lily be a screeching shrew and you know a good student who's popular and has a lot of friends. It's a well, lot of people don't in character. Uh, another thing we don't is, know that much about them. The one thing that I've noticed in several of the ones that I have started to read and have ended up putting down or or navigating away from is that obviously people are writing from the perspective that we have, knowing everything that happens to Harry, and they make their characters react in a way that would fit with what our perception is. A big part of that comes from interactions with Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Because, you know, there are so many people who, whenever they try to write these kind of stories, they're looking at him through the eyes of this is the traitor. And they put things in his character that would be like, you know, red flags or things that would make you think, hmm, this guy might not be so good. But the thing is, from what we know of canon nobody suspected. Right. right. Nobody had any idea. Well, I mean, they thought it was Lupin. Right. Didn't, and yeah. and so. nobody suspected it was Peter. Nobody guessed. Nobody even thought about it. And 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 that, I think, is a big aspect that a lot of people who write Marauder Arafix, they, you know, think, oh, well, obviously, there was something that, that you know, everyone's going to be a little suspicious of him or not. But no, that's just, that's not what happened. 
Um, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I've, I've never particularly cared for these stories. I don't know. I just, it's, well, I no, guess it's just think, not my thing. I think a lot of the stories really, they don't know how to put characters together that we already know are together. And I think a lot of the Marauders take just kind of get Lily and James together and you're supposed to be like, oh, well, they just belong together because they do. And there's not really a reasoning behind why they love each other. And, you know, it's just not well written. There's no um, establishment of the, the relationship before they're in it. Right. I think it's really hard to do because the few things that we do get about them is that it took them a while. and She didn't like him at first. Like, the only time we've really seen them was in, like, the memories of them in school from Snape. And in those memories, Lily did not like Jane. So I think it's not like you're going to... Yeah, it's like you're going, it's not like if you're going from like somebody who hates somebody, so it's like it becomes one of those stupid, cliched, like love hate things. Yeah, it's really hard to balance that in a lot of them. A lot of them go one way or the other. I think that um, another issue that I even almost kind of take it with with this story is the interaction between Lily and Petunia. Because I, I don't know, I guess it, to me, the way it always seems is that. I can't imagine, you know, some people go about it on the aspect of, okay, well, Lily and Petunia have just always hated each other. I don't think that was necessarily the case. I mean, they were sisters. I have a sister. We didn't get along. Yeah, and I think now after Deathly Hallows, we know that that's not the case. You know, they were close until, you know, the whole with Lily going to Hogwarts and whatnot. Um, And I I think she handled it pretty well, though, considering she wrote this, I guess, what, before book six, the start of it. I mean, she does have, like, she doesn't fall into the stereotype of, um, them just blindly hating each other. She has, you know, Lily hugs the Petunia before they leave and thinks, you know, well, we don't get along, but I do love you, kind of thing. Yeah, it's not quite like the Vernon Durst, like, get out. I like that scene an awful lot because I even have in my notes here how much of the Petunia we know in canon is coming from Vernon. Which, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, a good point. I, I guess, I, I guess the thing that kind of bothers me about this is that, about about this particular scene is, is the way Petunia kind of reacts when they're sorting through the the belongings of their mother and how you know Lily is saying oh well she would steal it from me if I wasn't paying attention or anything like that I guess I just didn't like the phrasing of that I guess I don't know I, I kind of could buy it because I have an aunt who would do that to my mother in a heartbeat yeah I think I know it, I know it exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I can just I imagine when my grandmother beautiful. passes. That, I mean, that scene, I was like, oh, my God, that's my mother and Aunt Sandy. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's more I think it's more that Petunia and, and I, I don't know, skip me. Maybe I'll come back to it. Can I ask a question or something that confused me? And I, I spent way too much time trying to figure this out. No. Okay, well, listen, in the first chapter, in the first chapter, right? Yeah. Lily says that she doesn't Lily does not know who Lord Voldemort is. Because she says, um, this might be the last time she saw her sister if the rumors of a Dark Lord with a passion for hating Muggleborns was true. So clearly mm-hmm. she doesn't know who the Dark Lord is or, you know, any details about him. But then later on, the same day, James is talking about Voldemort. And he's, he's even using the name, actually, Voldemort. And he's talking about Voldemort killing people. He says, you know, um, I had that line too saved somewhere. Whatever it is, he, he says Voldemort's name and he clearly knows Voldemort exists. And yeah. then, later on, Dumbledore says that no one thought Voldemort would come back. That, no, yeah, uh, I know which line you're referring yeah. to, Mike, because that struck me, too. And I think it's just a, a that, an oversight. I think it's like just a little... Okay. It's not a plot one, hole. It's just a little blip. 
where I was wondering if there was like some oversight because I was trying to think in my head. Well, I wonder if it's because she's a muggle that she doesn't know the same details that James does. But or does you just think just that? Well, but there's she's another the prophet. She says she's so she's been keeping up on stuff. Yeah, I didn't get the Over impression the that she didn't know who he was. Just that she knew something right. was maybe coming. Right. I don't. Right. I can't. Like I can't. I don't know where's the line you're talking about. Is it in chapter three? Which Which line are you talking about? The one where you say Lily doesn't know who Voldemort is. That's no, in the it's first in chapter, chapter and she says uh, this might be the last time she saw her sister, referring to Petunia. If rumors of a dark lord with a passion for Muggleborns was true. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I didn't so get that. That meant she didn't know who Lord Voldemort right, was. It's just right. that people know. are now starting to talk about it. And in that particular phrase, she doesn't use his name, but just saying, you know, it, something's starting, you know, a storm's a coming, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And then what, what is the, what is the disappearance Voldemort had that he, that no one thought he'd come back from? Well, I don't know if this was when we knew this, but remember he was around, and some people had heard the name, but then remember he went off to Albania and he didn't come back for for like twenty years. Okay, so is that what it's referring to? Probably. All right. I suppose. I would assume, unless that's something we got in Half Blood Prince. Yeah, no, or either that, or she just mixed up her timelines. And the thing that I think is difficult for a lot of people writing these past stories is that things aren't always very clear about when stuff happened. Yeah, especially and, before book six. Yeah, and we know this especially because people have pointed out the inconsistencies that even J.K.R. had in some of the <laughs> stories about some of this past stuff. But like one of them that jumped out to me was that you know in the train someone says the Pruitts are gone, but I'm fairly sure that th- the Pruitts were in the order with James and I, I always thought they were in more Molly's generation. Right, but, but weren't they in the, the picture? In the photo were, of the Order of the Phoenix, yeah. Yes. That, they were in the photo the of the Order of the Phoenix with James and Lily and Sirius and Remus. And so, obviously, the Pruitts couldn't have died until after these people were out of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. When was, uh, I'm honestly not sure. They could have been older. When was this story written, I'm, do we know? Ryan said it started before Half-Blood Prince and finished after. But it was okay, after so, Order of the Phoenix. After Order. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, I know that they're from Molly's generation because I'm, I, I don't know what the age difference is between Molly and, and the Pruitt boys. But I'm fairly sure that they were at least in the order with James and Lily. And, Maybe and, they were Bill's age. They're, guys, they're not in the picture. Okay. Not, Are you sure? Isn't Moody, doesn't Moody point them out there, I thought? Uh, no? This is P.S. we're talking about here. She, uh, she, yeah, I'll take her word. If she says it, I take her word. <laughs> I, that, that was from the lexicon, let me check the book. I love oh, your money. How, how do we find out they died then, though? I remember the line, too, like, Fabian and whoever, they died like heroes. I remember that, yeah. yeah. But did anybody else have a thing for Lupin in these chapters? No. Lupin's not my favorite character anyway, so. Okay. I like how they all have crushes on Lily. Like, if I were Lily, I would have liked Lupin much better. Like, I know this is a James Lily, but if we didn't know it was a James Lily, I would have hoped that it would become a, a Lily Rima story. Do you know what I really, really, really like that she does in this fic? The, I haven't read tons of Marauder fics, but so often when I read them, Lily is kind of, she's so isolated from them. Like, not only is it that she doesn't get along, like, you know, we know she had her, whatever, her issues with James, but it's kind of like this, she doesn't associate with them, she totally hates them, has no connection with them. And then suddenly, in you know, whatever it is, year seven or year six, whatever the year is, she flips around. And what I like in this one is that even though 
Like, she's clearly attracted to James even before she thaws to him because she blushes early on. So we know that there's, you know, it's not out of the blue. But she already has this attraction. She's she's less of an outsider. She's somewhat of an insider. She knows them well. She interacts with them. Even if they're not her best friends, She you get the impression that she's at least friendly with well, them. Well, they're in the same house. But, uh, but to Mike's big. point, that's where... a. A lot of the Marauder fix lose me because, like Mike just said, this builds up very nicely. You can see that, you know, like you said, they're housemates, Jen. So it's not like they never had any interaction or anything. Um, it, you know, it would be like as if Harry and Ron never talked to Parvati and Lavender or, Neville. you know, Dean and Seamus. You know, I mean, they, it's the same type of thing. And yeah, it, yeah that drives me crazy in Marauder error fix when, all of a sudden, like you said, Mike, all of a sudden, year seven, all of a sudden, they all become best friends, you know? <laughs> if I can just break in for a second, I, yes. I've been paging for the book. They are in the picture, Gideon and Fabian okay. are in the picture. I mean, that's you, what I thought. You like heroes. Thank you. But like I said, there is so much confusion about the specific timeline that happened during that entire series. So That was clever. I didn't pick that up about them. But you're right. That was a very clever pickup. Well, what did y'all like about the plot that she has devised? I think all marauders are limiting a bit in that it, it's going to lead to this place that we all know. You kind of you just are trying to figure out how they got from A to B. I haven't read the whole thing before, but does she actually go all the way to that point, or does I no. mean, or does she just stop after? Because I think my impression was that it would end before that. And I think that's almost a strength for it. It gives you more room for originality because you're not just telling the canon story of how they get from point A to Z. What you're trying to do is tell sort of a sub-story which can end at any point and go in its own direction in any way. Well, except that I know Chi and I know that she would have tried to stay as close to canon as she could. I think she would have thought of it as more of a challenge than to make more of an AU fic. Yeah, no, I read the whole thing a whole long time ago, Mike. I don't remember beyond the chapters I've reread for tonight. I know that it doesn't go up to the depths, but I also know she said that she was going to write a sequel, though she never did. Well, we'll just have to goes, talk to her I about think that. It just goes to the end of Hogwarts is what I'm thinking. I, don't I really think know. so, too. I know I've read it a long time, but she had, she wrote another two chapters or something, and I never got to those yet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, Chief. Sorry, Chi. I'm so I mad. I read, like, the 20, however many chapters there were at the time. Okay, I'm sorry. My well, husband just gave me this thing to remember. And apparently, I can't remember Canada. West Virginia or North Carolina or someplace. They people had the license plate, and their first three letters were WTF. And people <laughs> started complaining after, like, people started complaining after their grandchildren told them what WTF meant. Oh, oh yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to interrupt, but that is just the funniest thing. Where was this? Because I can imagine, you know, my grandmother driving around with with big WTF on the back of her car. But oh, that anyway, I'm sorry. Well, I will. I'll bring us back. What I think. What I think I like about Cheese Variety is that she doesn't go on and on and on in descriptive characterization format. Like, she keeps the plot going. Like, it keeps it, it you know, interesting isn't the word because it's, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's like, it keeps it. It moves along. Smooth. Smoothly. Yeah, like, it just, you just keep on, like, the next sentence is, like, something that else you have to know, and if you miss a sentence, you're like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to go back and read it and, and continue. So I really like her, I liked her writing style from the beginning, just yeah, because it, it seemed to be a bit more fast-paced than I was, because I do read those really long descriptive characterization fakes. 
a lot. It was a nice change, like, to read a different style, and it still be well-written. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. it, I didn't feel lessened by it at all. She switched between point of views very smoothly, too, I thought, because so often when I read fix, they have, where they, they move from one character point of view to the other, it's, it, it stands out at you because it's like this huge, choppy break. But here it was very smoothly done, I thought. Yeah, I, I have to come out. I have to say well, that. there's no confusion. I, I'm somebody that really hates POV switches, but this, I liked, I even liked it. And can someone, obviously cheated this perfectly right, but from a canon perspective, when I was reading her fic, it got me to thinking about this. If Lupin is a prefect and Lily's a prefect, how does James wind up, head, do head boys not have to be prefects? No, they no. don't. Joe, they Joe Rowling said that. Okay. Because I never thought about it before until I... Was... In story in I know chapters. in canon, the head, the head boy and girl are drawn from the prefects or the Quidditch captain. Because, uh, yeah, uh, this story made me think... Really? I'm reading... Yeah. Uh, how do you think James got to be head boy? I didn't know it was addressed in canon as explicitly as that. I thought it was um, someone had asked Joe a question at one of the interviews, and she said something well, yeah, that, that passing that. Too, but I... That, that oh, okay. I, I, I can't remember. I know in Hempel Prince when Harry's name Quidditch Captain Hermione says he can use the prefect's bathroom. Okay. So that kind of tips me off. I always thought that Headboy and Headgirl were captains. Said I just thought they were chosen. Like they didn't necessarily have to be a prefect. Or that's what I thought too, Jen. Like it helped, but it wasn't a prerequisite. Well, I, I figure that if he's going to choose somebody to be Headboy, he's going to have chosen them to be a prefect. You know. See, I never but he even didn't choose James. It. James wasn't a prefect. Yes, yeah, so well, I never I mean. thought about that or realized that until I was reading Cheese Fick. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, wait a second, she's right. Lupin was a prefect. What is it? How did that happen? The so thing that gets me yeah. about yes this, no, though, because... is he acts like Remus is no longer a prefect, but I don't think that's the case either. Because I think Remus still would be the Gryffindor seventh year boy prefect. I don't think right. they would kick him off the prefect council because James got to be head boy. I agree. Right. And I think. I don't know. It it seemed to me like being head boy isn't necessarily like being a prefect. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think there would be other things that went along with that, that being a prefect wouldn't necessarily be a prerequisite for it. You know, I mean, more like no, I don't think it is, but being I a think- head, being a head would be more like sort of like an administrative role, you know, setting up rounds and being a liaison between the prefects and the staff and having leadership abilities. Leadership leadership abilities, yeah. Yeah, And representing the school. Might be something that Remus doesn't have. I think you're right, because if I think back, the only head boy we see, obviously, in the books is Percy. And I'm thinking back to um, year three, where everyone else is sleeping, and he's kind of talking adult to adult with Dumbledore. So I think your interpretation is the liaison between the staff might be right. I'm trying to f- remember the scene you're talking about. It's, it's oh, is when it when they're all in the sleep in the Great Hall? Right, yeah. After like Sirius having, breaks in. Yeah, he's the only one awake talking with Dumbledore. And they're kind of like talking like equals, pretty much. Yeah, or but he wasn't head boy then. Yeah, he is, because year four, he's graduated. So year three, he'd be head boy. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. And it could be, like I, like someone said, it could be a British thing. You know, that's just the way it is over there. And we don't necessarily know what that's like over here. You know, I mean, it also, it just could be, you know, what we've kind of talked around. You know, it's it's not necessarily about who's the best person who keeps other people out of trouble. You know, it's it's who's the best leader, who's the best uh, representative. Who are people who's going Dumbledore's to... favorite. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many Slytherin 
head boys there have been since Dumbledore became headmaster. That'd be interesting. Well, we know Tom Riddle was. That was before Dumbledore's headmaster. Dumbledore was not headmaster. Oh, that's true. That's true. Dumbledore never trusted Tom Riddle, actually. But, uh, and did anyone else feel really sorry? For, I felt really sad for Peter in the last chapter we Me read here. Me too. Me too. I always, I've, re- I've always felt really sorry for him. I felt really sorry for him in Shoebox, and I feel really sorry for him in this. Yeah, me not so much. <laughs> he reminded me a bit of Neville, too. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, she took the time to write him well. Like he did. Oh, I'm not disputing that. I just, I still don't feel sorry for him. I thought that the way, um, she's leading into, it's hard to write. Like Rinna said, we know later on that Peter turned at some point, but like Rinna said back then, you know, no one suspected a thing. So it is, very hard to write Peter turning, but this is a good way, I think, to set it up. That, I think it's a good you know, way. It's because, because it, they, this is his way to show that he can stand up to people, and it, obviously it's going to go very wrongly. But I, I don't like the ones where Peter turns because he feels like he's being picked on by James and Sirius, and I don't, I don't buy that. I think he was really included by his friends. I think they, they really thought of him as a friend. Like, I don't, I don't buy the interpretation that he turned because they didn't like him, or he turned because he didn't feel like he fit in with them. I think it, I, right. I don't know what it was, but I think it was, it wasn't that. Yeah, because yeah. I think if you asked Peter himself at this time, and the same thing with Cheese Peter, which is why I like him, he would be horrified at the idea you idea he was going to betray his friends like i think right now this would it should as it should it would horrify him it would never enter his mind either not only would not enter right. their, their minds but it wouldn't enter his mind like i wouldn't so, even be like, surprised if when he did it it wasn't even conscious like i'm sure i don't think he ever sat down and he was like i'm going to turn them over i think he no. the whole time <laughs> i think voldemort was manipulating him to think he was doing it to, for their benefit somehow I don't know. I think uh, it's, it's a. I think at some point he did make a conscious decision. I agree because with that, of the way because he didn't ever repent. If he was, you know, manipulated into it, he would feel remorse and he, he would feel it. like he would. He would definitely hallows in the cellar. I, you know, I don't think he really no. did though. I, don't I really did. don't think he did. Well, I, I think that possibly he was manipulated until he had a change of heart. I think he was one of those characters that had such low self-esteem and such low personal thinking about, like, you know, the thinking of logic, like thinking things through and thinking about the consequences and thinking. I don't think, <laughs> I say think a lot. Um, I, I think that he probably was manipulated and so would explain a reason to him, like, you should think this because of this and this, this and he was too stupid to understand that 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 wasn't the normal way of thinking i mean but then at, at some point he made the decision i mean to, I now obviously wondered, there was some manipulation in logic here like i don't know i, I think first of all I, I never thought of him as a total idiot because the things he tricks every you can't be a total idiot if you can trick every single person in the entire wizarding world you can't be totally inept if you can fire a curse that kills all of those people that they're all so impressed over Exactly. That said, said, my interpretation wasn't so much that he... I think even when he joined Voldemort, for instance, he did not join thinking he'd ever have to kill his friends. I think think he made the decision, the conscious decision to kill them, to to betray them, knowing it might might very likely lead to their deaths. But I don't think it was at the beginning. I think that was at the end. That it's sort of a process of corruption. Like first, you know, okay, I want to show I can be brave in my own way, and somehow he gets sucked into Voldemort. And then once he's already with Voldemort, then it kind of leads up again to the decision to betray them. So I think it's... Well, I mean, like look this. how Snape ended up becoming a Death Eater. Yeah. He didn't go into it like, oh, today I feel like killing people, let's join the Death Eater. 
Like it was, you know, it was power and friendship and loyalty and, and blah, blah, blah. And I think by the time Peter got into it, it was too late. And and everybody he loved was dead. And so he, at least I've got somebody. Peter as being like, maybe going into, if I can bring up Star Wars, I see Peter as being really like Anakin. Yes. Like, huh. No one like intends to turn had, evil. He thought he was helping Padme, and I think he was corrupted. He was helping Lillian Jane. That's a good, yeah, I he, like that. I don't think he was an idiot at all. I mean, I don't think no, he may not have been sure. brilliant, probably intelligent in his own way. Maybe not I don't think he was mentally challenged, but I do think that he was an idiot. <laughs> well, I see my problem with the idiot thing, though, is everyone's so impressed with this curse that Siri supposedly did, right? I mean, first of all, he, first of all, he tricks everyone. Into th- in the wizarding world. Second off, he turns into an animagus, and even if Sirius and James helped him, they can only help him so much, he still has to do it on himself, which is something right. most wizards can't do. And in that curse, everyone's talking about through all book three, like, oh my god, Sirius is so evil, look at what he did, it's insane that he did this, this wizard's so powerful, but it wasn't Sirius that did it, it was Peter that did it. So I, I don't know, maybe he's not up to Sirius's level, but he's definitely, I think, has his talents and his own... Areas well, I mean, he graduated. He didn't flunk Hogwarts. Not a moron. He but he's doing so many things other wizards can't do, though, is the thing. Yeah, Mike, you know what? I, yeah. I agree with you. Awesome, Tina. You rock. Well, I mean, I, he, did, he it, became an animagus. That's pretty advanced. Like, nowhere did it say that he was stupid. When, when we say he, he was slow, I do think he was socially behind. And, and that I can buy. And needy. Like, he's one of those needy kids that you just kind of drag along and hope that they can get the ground under their feet. I I, I, I I don't mind people who show them challenge in some areas, but I think the problem is so many of these fics from this era I read show them as kind of this all-around slow, all-around dense, all-around inept person. And he he couldn't be that bad in everything. He's basically like Neville Sr., is what they should. But at the same time, to argue that, in the group of marauders, Sirius and James, there was Lupin was kind of a standalone, and Peter just didn't fit in anywhere. So you have to find it. Like, there has to be a reason why oh, Peter no, didn't I think, fit in. I, I think a lot of that is just fandom, not um, canon. Because, you know, in the canon, it was they, the four of them were the marauders. And no one questioned that. I think a lot of it is fan fiction pairing Sirius and Remus as, and, or Sirius and James as the two leaders. And, and maybe they were to some degree, but I still think the four of them were a, a unit. And I, I don't see that, you know, any of them felt like outsiders within that group. I just think it's a little I, weird that all of us, out of being modern to being a force and blah, 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 that, they didn't completely trust Remus Lupin with a big secret. You know, that, that does spark up some intrigue. But, I mean, we never got the reason in really a, a good foundation in canon for why that was. But it's mentioned that there were reasons why they suspected Remus as the spy. We were I never really wrong. told what they were, unless I'm not remembering. But I, I, uh, but that's even later after Hogwarts. But I'm talking in the Hogwarts years, they were a unit. And I've, I don't think that... <sighs> he wasn't dead weight. I don't think he was just dead Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of saying it, Mike. I don't think Peter was Here the is, dead, okay. dead weight. My take on the whole thing of it. I think something that a lot of people tend to forget is that the few times that we do hear people talk about Pettigrew... He is described as, I don't want to say it like he's described as a tag-along, because I don't necessarily think that that's the case. However, it's pretty obvious that he has aligned himself with people who will protect him. Yes. 
and I think that that is is I, and I think that is, is a, allow him. No, I mean, and I, I understand that. I'm just talking about his motivation for stuff. He wanted to be friends with those boys because because they were popular, because they were strong, because they were smart. Because if had he not been friends with those three boys, then the scene that we saw in that pensive where they flipped Snape upside down, that could have just as easily been Peter. And I, I think I he knew that. That could be so. But I also think, I think somebody said this, I, I couldn't tell who, but that they would, if they really didn't want him there, they would have rejected him and they would have picked right. on him. They I know that. Not I'm, I'm not saying, him. I'm not saying that 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 was the only reason that they were friends. But I'm saying that that's an indication of his future motivation because we already know that he's eventually going to betray them. And from where they are as friends in Hogwarts to where they are when Peter betrays them to Voldemort, obviously something has happened there that caused him to change his mind. Yeah. Whether he and thought I, he was doing it because he was protecting someone, if you want to go back to the Star Wars analogy, you know, whether he thought he was protecting someone or whether he just wanted to align himself with someone with more power. At the time when Harry was killed, things were not going well for the side of the light. Things were going very badly. And, you know, I'm sure there were a number of people who maybe weren't as involved in fighting against the dark forces as Peter might have been or as Lily and James were and things like that. But, you know, once the light side started taking heavy casualties, I'm sure there were a lot of, you know, lukewarm people who started leaning the other way because they knew which way the wind was blowing. And I, we know from the beginning that Peter wanted to be around powerful people because he wanted that protection. That's more of an indication of why he went the way he did. I, what I think she's trying to do here, and I could be wrong, but this is my interpretation, and which I kind of agree with, is that not so much that he wanted to be protected, though I'm sure that was probably to a certain extent, but that he wanted to be James. Like I definitely think James and Sirius are the, you know, the, I'm doing little quotes with my fingers, the cool kids in the group. Like in this fic, I'm assuming this meeting which happens is the start of his path towards Voldemort. And he's going to it because he wants to be brave. He wants to be like Sirius and James. And that was always my interpretation of how it started. Not so yeah. much that he was looking for protection, but he, and that's the irony of it to me. Is that yeah. Why did so, he wind up with Voldemort? Because he wants to be like James and Sirius. Yeah, so we just brought that all full circle. I like how yeah. she's setting it up because I can see that. Exactly what you just said. I can see that that was the catalyst to start the chain of events that would eventually happen. My fellow Puffwanians, good evening. Ryan. Ryan. Hi. Voice from Beyond. I have to tell you, I've been listening to the last few minutes, and my I've been just blown away, blown away by the intelligent debate. My favorite part has to be when Mike said. This is my opinion, and I sort of kind of believe it. That was just my favorite part of the entire conversation. He, he, Mike, almost believed in himself, and that was pretty damn good for Potter. So I just so excited. How's everybody doing? We're good. 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 How are you? Oh, I I have a wonderful story for you that involves a fireball and hair loss. I'm glad you asked that question. I had um, a relative drop in this evening unexpectedly, so I was talking to her. She had been grilling, and apparently, this is something I could actually see happening to Jen. She was grilling, (laughs) and she tried to turn the the flame up, and it it wouldn't turn up. Hmm. So she did what any logical person would do, and she put her head directly over the grill. And that's when the fireball shot out and burned off her hair and eyebrows. 
Oh my god, is she okay? She's completely fine. She's completely fine. She had to get an emergency haircut. You you couldn't even (laughs) tell by looking at her. So now it passes into that amusing territory. And all I could think of is, if that had gone the other way, I would be here to tell you tonight that a member of my family had been killed in a freak grilling accident. Oh my gosh. And that makes you think of me? I could see you do it. Oh, Jen, if you heard that someone was involved in a freak grilling accident, wouldn't you think of yourself? <laughs> they would create a bad image of me, I swear. Jen how, Jen, how are you feeling tonight? Are your feet up? Actually, yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not because they're swollen, but because I'm very comfortable. Do you know what we discovered, Ryan? <laughs> what did we discover, Matt? That apparently... Matt, Matt, Jen... Matt, Mike, Mike. What did you mean, discovered, Matt? <laughs> Whoever the hell you are, what have you found? I feel so unspecial. I mean, we discovered that apparently Jen's problem with pregnancy isn't due to her being pregnant, but due to her having... Was it mad cow disease? E. coli. There's no sound effects for E. coli. Get over it. <laughs> no, I was joking about that one. Well, I mean, the mad cow. Jen's I really do have E. coli. The, okay, the point where Jen gets erectile dysfunction is the point where I'm going to start to believe that Jen's just making it up. <laughs> oh, that one would frighten my husband. Well, yeah, that would probably frighten James more than anyone. <laughs> so anyway, the long story short is my, my cousin has been referring to her as Uncle Leo for the past three hours. Jerry, hello. Because you all remember that Seinfeld episode where Uncle Leo blew his eyebrows off and they had to paint his eyebrows back on with the magic marker and he looked like angry Leo for the rest of the episode. So that's where my evening has been laughing at the at the um, trauma. Bit. That's You're awesome, Ryan. You know what? I'm an inspiration to the kids, Tina. Yeah, I Is guess your, so. eyebrows grown back yet or... Well, no, sometimes it's, they don't it's, it just happened tonight. Well, it's been like, well, it happened like, I think it happened yesterday. So it's been like 24 hours. They're not back in yet, but. Well, I, but the same happened to my mom, and they never grew back for her, actually. Your mother blew her eyebrows off in a freak grilling accident? It was, it was actually a stove. She stuck her head in the stove, but, uh, and it, yeah. <laughs> May I ask her why? <laughs> I don't know, it was before I was born, but all my life she had to draw her eyebrows on because they never grew back. Her hair grew how, back. How much was it before you were born? Like an hour before you were born? <laughs> okay. This kid won't come out. Get me to the stove. I think it was like 15 years before I was born. <laughs> was she cleaning the stove? I, I don't really know the details of it. I just know like, hey, mommy, why do you draw your eyebrows on? Oh, because when I was younger, I burned them off in the stove and they never came back. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to tell my cousin that because I want her to have hope. I'll keep you informed. Week by week, we'll keep you up to date with Jen's Did pregnancy. Did I make eyebrow wig? <laughs> no, Jen. Cheated on. Jen, oh, my God. Jen, Jen, do you own, do you own a Jen, do you own a Sharpie by any chance? <laughs> Now I'm serious. Like, what if you didn't want the weird line thing? What if you actually wear? You'd either wear nothing, or you'd look like Whoopi Goldberg. Is basically. She should put Rogaine on her. <laughs> Rogaine. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might help. But, but you won't know. You won't notice. So, like, if you see her, you don't guess that she doesn't have her eyebrows. They look. I like- have a question, and well, I don't okay. mean to turn this into eyebrow cast. Just a question for the ladies here. Like ninety-year-old mm-hmm. women. They not only draw on their eyebrows, but they actually use, like, a shiny Sharpie. It's like they draw back and forth like a small child trying to color. Do they think nobody knows? I don't know anybody who's 90. (laughs) I think think it's a generation. It it has more to do with the fact when you're coloring in your eyebrows, Uh you know, back when they were younger, darker hair they and stuff. They wanted to have the Madonna look. Fashionable. And so what you do is you would outline your eyebrows and draw with the hair 
on your eyebrows to make them darker. You didn't want to just scribble all over them. You just wanted to kind of darken it and leave some of the hair naturally. What happens is as people get older, their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back. Or when they do come back, they come back really pale, like... Does that happen to everybody? <laughs> We're like, oh, God, my poor cousin, I was laughing at her. So they grow in in a different color, and they're usually lighter. But it doesn't occur to them that that's going to affect the way that they do their eyebrows. <laughs> so they still outline their eyebrows <laughs> and just draw stripes where they used to. But it's not the same color anymore, so it makes it it makes a big difference. Uh-huh. That's so sad. Can I just point out that, like, if we were doing, like, the Nielsen ratings of Potterfic Weekly, the moment I came on and turned it into eyebrow cast, we plummeted down to, like, 2.3 from 6 points. Yeah, she is completely rolling her eyes at this point. She is just like, they were they were calling me wonderful, and then he came back, and, and that was <laughs> it. So what did everyone think of chapters 1 through 7 in, like, five words or less? I don't like Marauder X. I do like Marauder X. Your pedigree is Darth Vader. Pruitts died like heroes. I thought this was going to be a Lily Remus thing. Did I tell you, Jen has only, when she has sat down to do her Potterfic Weekly work, one out of every three times has she correctly identified the fic before she said <laughs> Okay, oh, don't want to know my funny thing that happened to me today? Not really funny. It's more of, I guess I complain a lot. (laughs) I went back through my blog and I was tagging the entries so that I could find what I talk about because, like I said earlier, I don't have a very long attention span, so I have to remind myself of things that I've said because otherwise I'll forget. So I was going back and I was tagging my old blog and journal entries and stuff like that. And the way I have it set up, as you repeat them, the letters get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So I was looking through my list, and the biggest tags of all is for the phrase, stupid people, (laughs) (laughs) followed closely by stupid Republicans (laughs) and stupid conservatives. Can I just say something I was thinking? Every week, it's a mystery who will be on the podcast and who will be hosting and who will be late and who will sub in. We ever have a Rinna Lady Chi cast? I am scared because I'm I think, not joining. Because I think when you just put the two of you together, you'll hear the celestial choir singing. Aww. Like, yeah, exactly. And I just think Snark will be reborn. <laughs> I don't you get that. Just, well, you wouldn't have to think of a of a name for the podcast because it would just be Snark Fest. Exactly. Well, Mike cracks me up because Mike does not think that she has a snarky saying, bone in her body. I don't think Rena does either. I don't, all these people that everyone keeps saying is snarky, I don't see it. Do you know what snarky is, Mike? Isn't it sarcastic? Yes. When is, where is she sarcastic? She's always this. She's oh my god! She's the queen of the eye roll. <laughs> but she's straightforward with it. She's not sarcastic with it. She tells you to your face like it is in a sarcastic way. I don't know. I don't see it. She's friendly. She's like straightforward, honest. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Course. But I she's, think what she just has to do is everything she says, you have to pretend that she's doing it with an eye roll. And it actually helps right. bring the snark alive. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what it could be? It could be all this time I've been taking everything she says seriously when she's been sarcastic. Oh, she hasn't meant a damn thing she said. She that that, would, that wouldn't surprise that me, Mike. I just, I just I love the fact that we're doing one of our own here, because usually we're like... And Aspen did such a wonderful job with this, and I really like what Viridian did with that. Yeah, now you know like, that there's Gee, snark, what the hell you... were you thinking? thinking. <laughs> yeah, you know she's being snarky when she's like, I really like this fic. Really? And then there's like, <laughs> leak, leak, 
The best thing Lady Chi can do when Lady Chi doesn't like something is you ask her, Chi, what did you think of this? And there's five seconds of silence. Very, very, very nice. Or she'll say, well, I like the way she does this. Like, she's trying to find <laughs> like the mo- the, like the nice thing she can say about it, you know? And you can always tell. Well, no, Rin does that. Everyone, listen to episode number seven. It's the one where I hit a deer and was unavailable to podcast. It was a <laughs> Rinna Jen podcast, and Mac joined later. This is the butt sex episode, for those of you who are confused. <laughs> oh, I just, I just listened to that a little best. while ago. And in the very beginning, I forget what Jen said, but Jen said something like, Rinna, what do you think of the ladies' parlor? Like it was the best thing <laughs> ever made on, on our perfect <laughs> And there was a pause, and I ch- there was like literally a 12-second pause I cut out during editing. And all you hear is, it's very nice. I like it very, very much. (laughs) And I'm like, how can we make her sound interested? So I added in, "Mm." hmm. Oh my god, it was hilarious. I loved it. (laughs) I I will say this. We did have his work cut out for him on certain things to make me sound like I got interested. No, well, no, the thing that Rena did in the very beginning, you probably still do it now. I don't even, it's, I'm probably like immune to it now. You know, like your spouse is snoring, you don't even hear it anymore. Yeah. In the very beginning, she was always told, if someone is talking, confirm to them that you are still listening. So I would do my usual 45 <laughs> minute monologue at the beginning of the podcast, and Rena would go, mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Linda, are you even listening? Mm-hmm. But it sounds like she's doing the laundry. So, in one podcast, like, for the 17th time, I'm like, Brenda, are you still listening? And she's like... <laughs> so what I did was, I edited out every mm-hmm, like, all 197 in the podcast, and I replaced it with... I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. How long did that take you to do? Uh, it took me a little bit of a time. Well, I had to edit <laughs> yeah. out all of No, but, scenario, Mike, so. it's all about the quality of release of the production. Yes. You know? There you right. uh, Ryan's an artist. It's about the quality. Really and half the time, you would not be able to tell that when we started this little endeavor, nobody had any idea what the f*** they were doing. And you know what? <laughs> a year and a half later, we're still grasping with that same problem. <laughs> My favorite was, Rena was in episode 11, and we kind of lost track of Rena. Episode 21, she came back, and it was myself, Jen, and Mac. We were back, and, and, and for like 27 minutes, I noticed that Rena had stopped talking. And I'm like, Rena, are you all right? And there's like no answer. I'm like, Rena, and then you hear it. She's like, hey, guys, I've been gone for like half an hour. I had to run to the store. You hear me? <laughs> She's like, hi, guys. In my defense, I only left like that once. They're like, Jen? Yeah, how many times have we heard, Jen? 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 (laughs) Mac broadcasted from the moon and was on a 10-second delay from the rest of us. That was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Mac, say hi right now. One, two, Two, three. Two, three. And then she shows up with Melinda. Melinda, who we've made cry for the past four weeks, and she, who's absolutely drugged out of her mind on Vicodin. She, after all, is the person who wrote this story. So picture this story written by someone who was, you know, drugged out on Vicodin, you know. I have to now weigh in with what I think of the story. Now, I read also... Can I just tell you this? Usually, for the week, I read, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten chapters of a story. They're usually very long chapters. Very, very. Like, in the beginning, Jen said, 
said, I want to do a story called A Year Like None Other. And my exact response was, okay. And she's like, great, bye. And then <laughs> I talked to her Jen the next day, and I'm like, Jen, how long is the story? She's like, oh, um, it's a little bit longer than, um, it's a little bit longer than the seventh Horcrux. I'm like, I'm like, Jen, how long is it? She's like, oh, it's, um, it's, uh, 96 chapters, bye. And she hangs up the phone with me again. Like, oh. So, by the next day, I would, I would finally, I would talk to Jen again, and I would read the first chapter, and it was three and a half paragraphs. I'm like, hmm. And I would read chapter two, and it was four and a half paragraphs. I'm like, hmm. The story's gonna be over at the end of breakfast. This is, by chapter 30, I could drive from my house to Canada. Which is something the PS does quite frequently. PS has no sense of north and south, so that's the story that Milligan ends up in Montreal. But, you know, I just drive, you know, I could drive to Oregon and back, and I would still, if I was listening to it on my iPod, be on the same damn chapter. Yeah. And, and it, it was like a pyramid. She was lulling us into a false sense of security, so really, to, we would do like 12 chapters in an episode, I would have to call in sick to work. <laughs> it was so much to read. I felt like I was someone who got a mortgage with a variable interest rate and couldn't keep up with the payments. I was sold something that became something else. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I, I, I actually, I actually enjoyed the story. I know Rena, you know, just wishes to God she could have been there, but you know, it was just. <laughs> it was a wicked awesome story. Come on. It was. It's an awesome story. I heard yeah. Wicked Awesome uh, is like a Bostonian thing, so I've been trying to say it every time. <laughs> You're walking around Texas saying Wicked Awesome to people. I have been going around Texas saying Wicked Awesome. How's that That's- go? Now Jen mysteriously has E. coli. I wonder if there's a connection. So I Wicked to- Awesome. Wicked Awesome. So I have to tell you, so tonight I sat down to read my seven chapters. I enjoyed them very much. And I was done in like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I I have to tell you, Chi, keep it up, dear. Whatever you're doing, it's working. I got to have dessert today. Like I knew nothing about the story. Jen is waiting for Remus and Lily to jump each other, and uh, yeah, I'm really hacked. I, I really didn't know this was going to be a James Lily story. Really, serious and Lily. Really. Serious and really? Lily? I really well, he clearly has a crush like, on her. He does not! Mike, I, I have a everything. question. Mike, I, I know you probably got Jen, to it. But the first words of the summary are James and Lily are falling in love. Jen never reads those. I don't um, read. Whatever, I just start stories. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine my surprise on chapter no. 17 of, no, of Snape Harry no. Adoption. I'm like, oh my god! But, <laughs> but Mike, Ryan, <laughs> speaking of the length, real yeah. quick, I mentioned this earlier, but do you remember when I used to write my really quite prolific um, reviews? reviews? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did a couple of those on the story. Oh, really? And I think they're longer than the actual chapter. <laughs> For those of you who aren't members of the Polyrific Weekly Forum, please join, because we're all there, and it, it could be like this for you every day. Come on, now you're going to scare everybody off. We're having a ball this weekend on the Polyrific Weekly Forum. By the time this airs, our grandchildren will be planning their own balls, and we'll all be dead. Oh. It's also cheery. Yes, Jen's unborn child will be hosting Perfect Weekly at that time. But I'm actually going to teach your headmaster. Yes, exactly. I'm going to actually. I'm retired. I'm actually going to read someone's yearbook entry because I think it sums up our our form quite nicely. But the thing I love about our form is you can click. (laughs) Tina's typing in the background. The thing I love about our form is you can see what people are doing on there. So you'll go to you know who's online, and you know Tina will be using the spell check feature. All right, all right. And Jen will be typing. 
And I'm like, oh, Jen's typing a response to my to my private message. So I'll go, I'll get a bite to eat, water the lawn, and I stand there like a moron with the hose in my hand for 20 minutes. And then, you know, I, 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 I turn three degrees to the left, and I water that portion of the lawn. And, you know, the town comes by and tells me there's a drought, and I spray them with the hose, and, you know, we get into an argument. And I come back in the house, and I click on who's online, and, and Tina is using the spell check feature, and Jen continues to be typing in the same way. <laughs> and my question was, like, how was your day? <laughs> and Jen is the most prolific person you're ever going to meet. Like, I, I love our team because she will type, you know, like a couple paragraphs. And Jen will type, you know, <laughs> this like, like by the end of it, you don't even know where it began. And Renna will be like, bite me, I'm tired. And that will be, <laughs> and that will be the, um, that will be the, you stupid Republican. Oh. Bite me. <laughs> I like Republicans. Go Republicans. Well, she's from Texas. She has to. So I, I just love the fact that... Somebody she... has to defend them, right? I could just be like... The <laughs> well, there's only of... six or seven of them left right now, so someone... Yeah, but before I went to college, I literally did not think there were any Republicans. Well, maybe, maybe until I hit, like, 15, I didn't think Republicans under 50 existed. Did you not notice the governor of your state for 12 years was a Republican? <laughs> no, not, no, he wasn't. Pataki? Really? He was oh, a Republican. He he wasn't governor. He wasn't governor back then. He was the governor was from 1994 to 2006. Well, I don't even well, live in your state, and I know this. When was Cuomo governor? 82 to 94. No, uh, 78, like 78 to 92. You don't remember him? I, I do Mike remember. Mike Huckabee so he our been governor for a while. Yeah, he was yours. Mike Huckabee. Yeah. Mike Huckabee was all. Yeah, yours. Mike Huckabee yeah. was ours. Wait, Bataki was, our, uh, was a only famous for losing weight. Can I just tell you something? I don't know why, but I loathe George Pataki with a passion. <laughs> There's some people that you meet and you want to wash your hands after you meet them. He's like, yes. he, he just reminds me of the type of person who holds a press conference because he thinks people should be able to hear him speak. After the, the September 11th terrorist attacks, he would do these commercials saying, I love New York. And like Rudy Giuliani would be wearing, you know, the Yankee cap and I'm from Boston and I didn't even mind. And you, know, you put all these famous New Yorkers up there and you'd be like, yeah, I love New York too. And then Bataki would come on. I'm like, boo. Like I just, there's something about the man I can't, I don't know. Republicans are fine. I just can't stand George Pataki. I'm not sure why we're talking about George Pataki. But you know who I never liked? Who's that? Schumer's daughter. Who? I went to school with Schumer's daughter, and she was horribly stuck up and spoiled. Okay, well, for those of you who are voting at the next Senate race in New York, don't vote for Schumer. Um, I actually just want to read this real fast. This is by um, Starry Skies off of the Parfait Weekly Forum. I just thought this was really cool. Um, we're doing yearbook entries. Uh, we're going to make a Parfait Weekly yearbook for our members this weekend, so everyone's sending in their entries. I know Jen's is on its way. Tina's working on hers right now, and I'm sure it's on Rena's list of things to do. She writes Wait, about, we're doing what? Okay, this <laughs> Your I'll, yearbook entry. You're doing yearbook entries right now. We are? Yeah, I'll send you a link. What do we write? I don't know. What is a yearbook? Uh, what is it? What? <laughs> What's <laughs> a yearbook? <laughs> so what is, what? Our, what is our yearbook? We are answering three questions. What is your favorite moment in the Pyrofic Weekly podcast? What is your fondest memory of the forum and the time you've been here? And... Any additional comments or memories of the podcast or forum can include craziest moment, funniest activities, coolest game, whatever you want. So you just talk oh, about it. Oh, I could do that. Yes. So we, so Starry Skies actually put one up. She's a Hufflepuff, so she gets top billing. Woo-hoo! But um, I just want to read this. 
She writes, my favorite thing about the forum, you can be 12 or 59 and you can still be treated the same. All of us here on the forum share something special. We all enjoy the Harry Potter books and that has brought us together in ways that can never be changed. You can be talking to someone around the world in 30 years your senior and not know it. Advice can be given from people who have been in a similar situation. You can play games. You can just hang out. That's what I love. You don't have to be anything for anyone. You can just be. I just thought that was a really succinct way of capturing the spirit of the forum so i just wanted to you can't be 12 on the forum you can actually not be 12 (laughs) on the forum thank you ps for catching that that is that is true you must be in the moment to register if you are 12 on the forum we have to um unfortunately expel you you off until you're 13 we we do and we apologize if that spoils the moment P.S. is now in a management position in the forum, so P.S. is walking around with her Rose K. Brown clipboard, like, and she's actually putting, like, yellow stickers on everything. We don't know why. I think she had my car towed. It's hilarious. I love it. Hey, P.S., I think you should change your screen name to Rose K. Brown. You totally should. So cool. Secretary, there's a, char- there's a character well, in After the End. In After the yeah. End, uh, Arthur Weasley is the Minister of Magic. There's like a council. She's a Slytherin. Like, yeah, she's, a, she's, a for- yeah, she's, she's, um, she's Lavender Brown's older sister, and she's like the liaison between, I forgot like, that. between like the Wise and Gamut <laughs> and the cool Minister. And so she's like this, she's this government agent. She walks around with a clipboard going, oh, too expensive. Oh, and like she crosses <laughs> it. And like, she, I think she vetoes the budget in chapter seven. She's a very powerful person. But, um, you just remind me of Rosecape around at the moment. So if, if a, if a dragon tamer PS starts hitting on you, um, just marry him and have lots of babies. That's all I can really recommend for you. Especially Ew. if he's got a cool Man, Irish accent. Charlie. I have to no, it's Charlie. It's not Charlie. Charlie. It's not Charlie in a towel. It's, it's Mick O'Malley. Mm, Charlie in a towel. Oh god. Oh, I love Charlie in a towel. Oh, I did too. I miss it Charlie. Better in a towel. than Draco and Leatherman. All right, I'm going to get back to the story right now because yes. I actually quite enjoyed it. In the early chapters, I like many other people wasn't sure where Jen. Or, well, Jen, did they really write the story? Uh, she, for example, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I really wasn't I sure. I didn't right. know where Jen was going with it because Jen, <laughs> because, because Ryan, Jen really screwed up the early chapters of the Because Brian still doesn't know their names. I don't. Now, can I just tell you one thing I enjoyed now? I have, for many uh, years, enjoyed public transportation. We're, like, okay, Dumbledore hires Gildory Lockhart. Dumbledore hires Quirrell. Dumbledore hires stupid, stupid, stupid... He needs stupid to hire people. Mr. Trump or something. Who, in the name of God, hired the conductor of the train? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just want to say this. It's like, okay, now, this is, to me, just bad staff work. You have an entire generation of children. Like, this is literally, like, you know, like, when we do, like, even when we do the State of the Union, we leave the Secretary of Agriculture out in case there's a bomb in the building. I mean... I know where that's from. Yes, I know. Where is that from, Mike? West Wing. Well, they actually do it in real life, West Wing, just, but they actually do leave the Secretary oh. of Agriculture out, usually. So, sometimes they leave Dick Cheney out, just for the hell of it. So, okay, they put all of the children... Because <laughs> they can't have fun. Like, you didn't know that happened? No, they did that. But... I, I, didn't, I didn't know it was always the, the agriculture person. Well, no, they do... Was... Can I just tell you, they had Dick Cheney's chief of staff on C-SPAN Testifying before Congress today, I just have, I'm going to be as nonpartisan as I can. He actually growled at Congress. <laughs> so, he did. They asked him a question. He's like, Ugh. I frankly don't know what you mean by unitary theory of government. Have you ever heard of that theory oh, before? Oh, I have. I've seen it in the newspapers all the time. Do you support it? I 
I don't know what it is. D- you don't know what it no. is. I'm, you're, you're telling I'm answering me, your question. You're, you're telling me you don't know what the unitary theory means. I don't know what you mean by it, no man. Do you know what you mean by it? I know exactly what I mean by it. Oh, he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so, okay, so they have entire generation of children on this train in a state of war. Now, I can't even get on a train anywhere without getting sniffed in an inappropriate place by a dog. I mean, Voldemort, back, death, destruction, locusts. Okay, they're on the train, like, on a seven-hour journey, and the only guy they have... A three-hour tour. Exactly. And the only... Literally, the only guy they have is Gilligan in the engine room is the only adult... Like, seriously, (laughs) what was their game plan? If the train comes under enemy attack, the conductor and the woman who drives the candy cart are going to defend everybody? Like, this is... Like, what the hell is... It's just when Guardian Leviosa said the train to Hogwarts. But, no, like it's like they knock on the door, and they're like, we noticed a very high-pitched buzzing. You know, the Hufflepuffs are bleeding out of their ears. Now, I'm actually not sure what that... Well, I'm not sure what the what the noise was. Maybe that was, like, the early warning system. It was them trying to break down the wards was because the train okay. did have protection. That's why had the, they had the... Felt confident with the idiot conductor. Okay, so the idiot conductor... And they're like, is anything wrong? And then the train dies. He's like, <laughs> apparently something is wrong. I'm calling for help. And the children say, okay, we shall go outside and defend you. <laughs> like, it just, like... It was the weirdest... Like, I... Like, I just Can I just say <laughs> yes. that I was kind of confused by the train itself. And I think <laughs> I think this is what, gonna be what? like Harry and Ginny on the boat. I think this was a little confusing to me. They get pushed out of the boat but onto a rock because oh, oh, no. oh, Jen no. remains silent. Out the, the train they, she, she like, like climbs up a so ladder Alright there's in a... your door. Well and... no, it's like okay. <laughs> P.S. Have you ever seen Back to the Future Part? No, it's like Indiana Jones. Like there's those things. No, Jen. Oh, uh, no, the Rings. Jen, not P. Not the, Jen wrote the story, and she. Okay. P.S. Okay, when they climbed up to the top of the train, there's a hatch on the top of the train that you throw up, and then you climb onto the roof of the train. Haven't you ever seen a cowboy? Oh, that door. I yes. Picturing, I was picturing. Because she said she said she pulled it down, but I was picturing it on the side of the train. Like I was picturing them climbing up the ladder, and there was like a door on the top of the wall, and that she pulled it down and climbed through and like over the corner. You know what I was confused about? Way too complicated. (laughs) I was confused because she's a girl, and they're in their. Are they? I can't remember. Are they in their? Uh, Hogwarts uniform. Are you wondering if, if James no. was looking up Lily's dress when they were climbing the ladder to get on top of the train? <laughs> no! I'm wondering, okay, That's a good question, I always though. imagine, like, the, the tops of the trains being quite slippery, and if she's in her little heels, or whatever, in Mihas, I'm... I just didn't understand how they could, like, balance up there. Well, the train was... He told her to put a sticking charm on the bottom of her feet. Yeah, but that you would still be, like, whooshing everywhere. But the train was stopped, wasn't it? No. No. I thought the train... Got, I thought the train... It's like no, the train lurches. No, I thought the train had stopped. Like they had stopped. The, the Death Eater somehow managed to stop the train, and then it began moving again. Like shortly after Lily got the shield in place, I was pretty sure that the train had stopped. What? No, oh, I it's, thought no, it's I lurches. Train lurches. Oh, maybe you're right. Because there was a lot of wind. Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe the train was moving the entire time. Anyway, I just found it very amusing that the conductor was, like, calling the 800 number asking for help. Well, Who's supervising the kids for that matter? how strong Lily and James were. Like, how James could take charge 
and how Lily was like freaking Jenny in Order of the Phoenix. Well, okay, but you also have to think about think about it this way. What we know about you know the stupid guy that was the conductor of the train, Stan <laughs> Shunpike on the night bus, not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. Yeah, what's he gonna do if the night bus gets attacked? I mean, <laughs> he'll pop his pimples on them and like. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, obviously these the people who do like conduct the train drive the bus they're not the Crazy, brightest but this was a, this is during a time of war with a, but you know what one thing the, actually the better question ryan is who's supervising the children oh they're the, the, they're the shooting up and, and having sex all over the place no one's watching well this. now there is Shit. the um the food cart lady <laughs> the food cart lady is watching 280 kids while selling them candy that's rotting their teeth in their mouth. would you like the pastry? But seriously, can I actually point something out? I'm sorry to interrupt your sex. Now, would you like some candy? Can I point out something here? Like, can I point out something here? I went on a class trip when I was in eighth grade. We went to Philadelphia. And the way they did it was guys were on one side. It was like three, four guys to a room. And the rooms were all, I believe, interconnected. And guys were on one side of the hall, and girls were on another side of the hall. Tape, like with masking tape, our doors shut yeah, at the end of the day. Right, so that if you yeah, opened the door during the that. night, they, they could, now I'm not sure what they planned to do if any of the kids were gay, but whatever. But, you know, they, so they would tape all the doors <laughs> shut. And it's, it's a fair question. So they, you know, taped all the doors shut. So like, because like liability reasons, you know, this is, this is even in the canon, and I don't know, you know, if this has any bearing on real world dormitory schools, but okay, here's all the Gryffindors, lock them in the tower, have fun kids, no, there's no adults in there, like they're all running around with flames. Oh, please, yeah, gonna there's no RA or anything. There's no, there's, well, there's the prefix and there's, the, and there's the head boy and the head girl, but they're like having, like, have you ever read anything Melinda Leo writes? They're having fire whiskey in the punch bowl. <laughs> Harry's drunk. Drunk in every other chapter. I mean, it's it's really just a story of you know. Uh, oh, Melinda's gonna kill you. Uh, it, it's, it's basically everything Melinda Leo writes is just a tale in you know teenage alcohol addiction, really. But I always thought that was amusing. But anyway, I was very amused by the fact that the entire security on the Hogwarts Express was this dopey guy who was like, "I'm gonna call for help. Why don't you go up on the roof and return fire?" Like I know he didn't say. And the other thing which just amused me greatly is, okay, now picture this. Anytime there's a school shooting in the United States, anytime there's any incident of violence, it's on MSNBC for a week and a half. It's, it's a big deal. This stuff doesn't happen. Like, kids don't defend their school when it comes under attack. I mean, this, we're not used to that lifestyle. Okay, the train comes under fire. They reinforce the defenses on the train, and they save everybody. And they're back at school, and it's like, okay, pat on the back, good job, you know, um, get on to algebra. It's like, what the, what the hell just happened here? It's just like, oh, good job. I always, it cracks me up whenever in the canyon of the stories, you know, these kids do these amazing, amazing things. And it's like, oh, well done, good job, you know, um, oh, look, it's Scorpio. You think too much sometimes. It just, that thing amused me. But the, uh, but as they got into the later chapters, she just did an amazing job with Lily and with Remus, especially when Remus just opens up about everything that is going on in his life. Obviously, the fact that he can't trust Sirius, he can't talk about it with anyone. And right. I love that Remus and Lily moment. It was just, That's a good scene. It was, it was so well written. It was interesting because you always hear Chi going on about how Lily Potter is always written kind of like Marsha Brady. She's the most popular girl. Everyone loves her. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? It's exactly it. And how uncommon it is. Like, what are the odds that, like, four best friends are obsessed with this one person? And I think, I like the way that she writes her Lily in that she's an outcast. She's not in the popular group. And, you know, the Marauders are essentially, you know, the geek club. And she's not 
in with them either, and she's uh, in this middle ground, and she's just, you know, lost her mother, and she has an awful relationship with her sister, and, you know, Petunia apparently is walking around with a vase under her dress, you know, saying she's pregnant, and whatever. So Petunia's on, <laughs> Petunia's on lithium, and, you know, she's got nothing in her life, and I just thought that was such a, just a great way to just link that character with the character of Remus, who's also an incredibly lonely character. I think she just, she did a really good job. Which is of, why they belong together. We'll talk to Chi later, but we'll have a staff <laughs> Staffing? Staffing. So. She's laughing. <laughs> she, she's really not. She's head desking. That was one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. I just thought that was such a just a good, tremendous scene. And my other favorite scene was the scene with um, Peter Pettigrew. And I know you guys were talking about it earlier, but just to add my two cents. He's usually an ignored character, because what the hell are you going to do with Peter Pettigrew? It's, he's the eventual traitor, and he's the outcast in the group, is how he's usually written. And I think she really found a good way of balancing that. I really like Sirius's line. I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something like, none of us get left behind. You know, you're going to pass this grave. We're going to get you through it. You know, we'll tutor you and we'll help you through it. And I like the fact that he wants to stand up to the bullies. And he doesn't want to have to run and get his friends. He wants to do this himself. And you know it's not going to end well. But I just thought that was a really creative way of using the character. And if you think about it, if you don't know how the canon goes, you would be very surprised by the fact that Peter turns out to be a traitor, because you should be surprised. Because, you know what I mean? It's like, usually when you, you see the stories about the kid who brought a gun to school, something awful happens and the media covers it. Everyone's like, I couldn't believe it. Like, this kid of all people, like, I couldn't believe it was that kid this happened to. He seemed like, there's that... Uh, such a nice kid. No, Tina. It's like the, um, the Neil... And whistle, um, oh. trial we're having right now. Um, there was a justice. A, yeah, exactly. There's a British-born man who married an American woman. He had like a what nine-month-old daughter, and it yep. was like you know the textbook American family. And you know they had the white picket fence and the dog, and it was you know, this beautiful, beautiful family. And he ended up shooting his wife and his nine-month-old daughter. daughter. And he claims he found their bodies. Didn't call the police. Got in an airplane. Flew home to England. They found notebooks where he was writing about how much he loved his family. Then in the next page, he was writing about how he could sell his story to the press and make money off it. And just when you look at him, he's just an absolutely despicable human being. But when you look at the photos from a year ago, you're like, oh, he's such a proud father. And you never imagined that you know this guy would turn like that. If Peter is portrayed the way that most people portray him, he's the kid that, you know, Sirius is always kicking over and you know they're always making wisecracks at. No one should have been surprised, you know, that there was the potential for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like everyone should be like, ooh, yeah, we did really pick on him for like 18 years. <laughs> you think that had some lasting impact? So I, I like the fact that she writes a very different Peter than we're used to. I like her Sirius, like- too. I haven't read as many of these sorts of fixes. as some of you. But usually when I read Sirius, he's always like some shoebox, this happy-go-lucky trickster person. And he seems a lot darker than Cheese Fix to me and a lot more sort of... I, I absolutely love Cheese Sirius. I do. Yeah. I like him a lot. He seems a deeper character than Shoebox Sirius. Or, I mean, not Shoebox Sirius in particular, but Sirius in these sorts of fics. Anyway, put it that way. I won't say Shoebox. I know you like it. And he does have so a crush on Lily. I just yeah. like her, her take on, on the character. And I have read lots of Marauder's fic, but hers felt felt like she really thought about how the character would behave. And it didn't feel like just a, a made-up character. It really felt like I was reading the past of some of these characters. One of the things I always think is interesting when you read fix is what throwaway plot points will the author pick up from the series and focus on and turn into more important parts of the quote-unquote canon landscape. One of the first fix I read was by 
Swish and Flick. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it. It was a six-year fic. Swish and Flick. Swish and Flick. It was, um, uh, oh, God. Salem Um, you know, it was, uh, Harry Potter and the Silent Siege. Six-year fic. Oh, yeah. In, in one of the early chapters, I remember there was a scene, this is the first moment where I realized fan fiction can be a really good thing. There was a scene where Ginny... <laughs> was how old was Jenny? Jenny was, you know, fifteen years old and she was home during the summer and people believed that Harry had been killed over the summer. And she remembered that when she was a young girl, she always heard stories about the boy who lived and she never could understand how someone her age could have changed the world and it was an inspiration to her that she could do great things. And that made a lot of sense to me, because of course if you have a seven year old girl, you're gonna tell her about the stories about the seven year old boy who just saved the world because that that's just something that you would do. And I never thought about that reading the series that connected to me and it made me believe that could have happened. Sometimes I enjoy it when you look at fix and they kind of touch on things in different ways. Chi touched on Sirius leaving the Black House, his home at 15, 16, getting away from his mother and leaving that Death Eater passage behind him and going out and being with the Pothers and connecting with the Marauders. Chi really connected that with what happened in their sixth year and him nearly turning Remus to a murderer yes. and killing Snape. And she really connected those two in that, you know, you know, Sirius's life is coming apart and he doesn't know who he is anymore. And he, you know, he's left his home and he's just, you know, his, his pranks are becoming more and more dangerous and he's spiraling out of control. And even in that scene where, where Remus and, and Sirius are arguing in the classroom, Sirius makes a comment about, I just wanted it to end. And he almost implies he was suicidal. And Remus kind of questions him on it, and he backs off from that. But he just didn't know what to do, and he was just pushing and pushing and pushing, and he almost turned his best friend into a murderer. And I like the fact that she connected those two, that she connected the spiraling out of control with the leaving of, of the house. And, so, and those are just, in my mind, when I think of Sirius, those are just two things that kind of just are floating out there. You know, the fact that he turned away from his family and the fact that he did this random thing to Moody, and she made it part of an overall change in behavior. And I think she did a really good job yeah. with that. Yeah, I like it when an author takes a little bits and pieces from canon and make it part of the story like that and connect the dots, so to speak, just based on a few little things here and there throughout canon. I, I do like that. I like looking for those kind of things when I read a fic. Is Lily's best friend, because I really like the best friend, did she get that from somewhere or is she just an original character? I think she's an original character. I think she's an original yeah. character. What was it of her that you liked? That she was kind of nice and sarcastic and like, uh, she, what's she, the she, <laughs> Yes, she is actually she. No, I, th- I, I like the book. She's no, like, yeah, that's... I'm glad you finally realized with uh, James Potter, we've all been wondering how long that'll ta- that would have taken. No, I'm actually wondering. If that's a 16-year-old version of Chi, I'm being dead serious. I, I believe. Think it is, yeah. mm-hmm. See, which character do you relate to most no. in this she story? She told me there's somebody in the story that shows up that's a lot like her. I mean, it was unconscious on her part. She only noticed it after she'd written it. But she realized that the character was coming from her. Good. Th- this is helpful. Mike, that is snark. <laughs> Kathleen is snarky. Kathleen is a 16-year-old version of Lady Chi. I have to rethink all these Chi comments that we're taking her dead serious on when she says she liked the pets. <laughs> oh, God. You know what to do, Mike? If you have some free time, listen to the series from the beginning. You're, you're gonna, it's like the sixth sense, dude. You're gonna, it's but, you know, but you know what the crazy thing is? I tell people, like, oh, yeah, and I, I've been podcasting with Chi, and her favorite fic is this, and she loved when this happened. I have a question. What do you think her favorite fic was? Um... Shoebox was her favorite, I know. What other ones and, did she enjoy? Oh, you're like none other I did with her a lot. I know she liked that. Uh, Nightmares of Future Past, I know she liked. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe I'm wrong. 
from the bursting out laughing. I, I held it in as long as I could. I was about to type. Everyone, be quiet. Sorry. Well, I, I know she. I know she had a problem with. Uh, when she goes, I really like this fix. Dot dot dot. Here's the thing. People fall for it. The hosts here haven't heard it yet, but the listeners have. The H. Whimsy interview, you would think that I put a devout Catholic in an interview with Jesus Christ. Oh, was she fangirling? She was. Was she really? I had to put a bib on her. That. I'm like, gee, you're drooling a little bit in the left. Like she was kind of like, like the first time you met Melinda. Yes, worse, worse. And like, me with Virginia. Yeah, mm-hmm. you. Well, you really couldn't speak then, but it, like it, it was worse <laughs> than when I put Phil and Genya in, in on the podcast together. Yeah, yeah. Is this the author of? And the author of Coven of Echoes. Like, right. at one, like, at one point, I even joked, I'm like, Chi, are you going to start calling her your majesty? Like, this was like, <laughs> I got two words in edgewise in the entire interview, and for me, that's, that's saying something. Like, wow. She's good. Well, guys, I feel like I'm the party pooper, Cinderella at midnight. I'm just falling asleep as we sit here. Well, I- I'm glad You're it was me for talking two now. it happened. Yes, now, I want you to keep your feet elevated. <laughs> Do not eat any chicken unless it's it's well done. That's salmonella. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you had salmonella all day. Okay, that makes no, I don't so know. much That's, more you sense. Get, I thought you got that from eggs. Yeah, chicken. I thought you got that from eggs, any too. Any chicken. Any eggs. chicken. chicken will do it. That. E. e. coli. from meat, from red beef, right? Well, that's also what the tomato. Oh, yeah, don't tell her where yeah. you get E. coli. It'll make her gag. That's the big thing. That's why a lot of restaurants have stopped cooking tomatoes, because there was a shipment of tomatoes oh. in Texas that had E. coli. That's oh, right. Jen. Oh, my gosh. And Jen None ate of the, the restaurants even have it anymore. Yeah. Well, Salmonella. Yes, but they had E. coli. Tomatoes, so. so, wait, which is the egg one? Salmonella. The egg is salmonella. salmonella. Okay. Salmonella, because you, you get it from potato salad. I know my grandmother got it. Do you guys remember there was a commercial for the Game Show Network, and it's like it shows all these people doing all these different things, and it's all like salmonella, 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 and then it shows the girl on the Game Show, and she says botulism. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that? I'm sorry, I just didn't think of that when we were talking about that. The only thing I have to add is I never order sliced tomatoes on my sandwiches, so I always order whatever I get at restaurants without the tomato. I just have to say, the E. coli outbreak across the country has been incredibly convenient for me. It just just made my ordering so much easier. I always order without lettuce, Ryan, because I hate lettuce. Well, well, there you go. Jen, go to sleep. I'm really fine. I really miss talking to all of y'all. I miss you too, Jen. Bye. Bye. Bye, Jen. Bye-bye. Bye, Jen. Night-night. You know what I just realized this is like? It's like Jen's kid is going to have 500 uncles and aunts. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already launched a campaign to get her to name her child Ryan. And we're working yes, we heard. We're working we heard. On it. We're working on it. She says it's not going to go through. I'm, I'm going to put some influence in on this one, so we'll see where that ends up at the end of the year. Well, it can go either way. It's a good boy. It's a good girl name. <laughs> Why am I just feeling you people were incredibly on topic until I got here? We were. <laughs> well, Rena was running the show. I'm like, Rena, Jen can't hear anything, and she, she's nauseous, and she's eating everything in sight. Can you run the podcast? And all I can picture is Tina saying something, and, and Rena, like, holding the whip in her hand, like, intimidating people. So. What else didn't we talk about from the fic? I'm not a good one to ask. We hit everything in my notes, anyway. Rena, I just have one question. Have during, we have the map. During the entire podcast, were you like, it's very nice. I like it very much. I mean, I have no problem with the way it's written. I have no problem with anything like that. I just, I cannot get into Marauder Era fix. I've never been able to. Why is that? Just like I don't know. I, I really don't know. I just, I don't care for them, I guess. That's just my weird little thing, And but I just, I can't get into them, and I... I've tried. I've tried to read several, and I just can't do it. Are you picturing Gary Oldman in your head the whole time? 
that's part of it, I think. I think he's just creepy, but, (laughs) but it's also, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just, I cannot get into stuff about the characters, but I couldn't even, whenever even in, in the books, in canon, when they would talk about the the older generation of people, I would just kind of tune out. I mean, I just, it just didn't interest me. Now, and see, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book in the series because of all the broader backstory. Well, for me, part of the thing is the characters are so undefined. It's not like we're reading fan fiction of our favorite characters from the canon. Anyone can create the characters any way they want. Although, I guess now we have more canon Mariah Yeah, now stuff. we do. Now we do. Now we do. We have Joe's one-shot of James one and Sirius. Yeah, Jen So show. has to name her baby Elvendorf. What is that? Who is Elvendorf? It's unisex. Oh, who- <laughs> Who is El- who is Elvin Dork? Is all- Didn't you read the card? No, it's Elvin Dork in the. It's in Joe's eight hundred word prequel. Did you not read that? I skim. I read it. Like, Ryan, I skimmed. How did you call yourself a fan? Damn you all! Is it available? I didn't even know it was available. Yeah, we'll to the like two weeks ago, three no, weeks. Remind me, Elvin Dork was that one of their middle names or something? No, oh. it was the. He just says, he says, give me names. The cop says to Sirius and James, give me your names. Sirius says, Elvin Dork, it's unisex. (laughs) No, he just says, give me names. He doesn't say, give me your names. And so they just start saying names. I I, I feel like a very bad Harry Potter fan. Although, in in fairness, slap on the rest. Do you know how many fix I had to read that (laughs) But I was one, you know, because I, I think it was, was it Mercury Blue on the form? Someone recommended Elvendork, or maybe it was Wayne, or someone recommended Yeah, that Elvendork. was why. And I'm just like, Wayne has really crappy taste in names. <laughs> like, I'm looking <laughs> through the thing. I'm like, oh, we're gonna... So, joke's on me, but. Okay, um, well, Ryan, it's 800 words. I think you could spare the two or three minutes it might take to, to be. Oh, it. Tina, you're Ryan's breaking up. Say that again, Tina. You're breaking up. Tina. Uh-huh. Tina. Oh, totally lost Tina. Look at one of the things I always struggle with is, I think she or someone said this to me once, when you read the Marauder era fic, you should be able to see Harry in, in Lily and James, like how the two of their personalities would meld into Harry. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Maybe I have just not getting enough sleep. That is, when I read the story, I do not consciously keep in my mind the fact that these are Harry's parents. I'm able to close the door and... No, you're not supposed supposed to think consciously that they're Harry's parents, but you should see qualities in them that each of them passed on to Harry, and that's what makes a good Lily James or Marauder's fic, when you don't notice that that's what the author has done. Nature, not a nurture sort of world. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, I... I don't know. I, I have I, qualities that my mother has, and but my and sisters don't. One of the things I hate most when you see it in a Marauder fic is when it's so clearly supposed to be that Harry's supposed to be this perfect merging of Lily and James. Yeah. It's okay. Like, like, I can buy this, you know a couple of similarities between them, but he wasn't raised by James. He should be his own unique person. And the th- the events and the things that influenced him are radically different from those events and people that influenced James. I think, it's a, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture. I don't want to get into that whole discussion, but I think there are qualities whether you just inherit from your parents regardless of whether, you know, you're well, yeah, raised. Like his Quidditch skill, you know, that clearly comes from Yeah, James, you know, but... his athletic ability or something. But, yeah, and then there are things 
things that you will learn from your parents because you were raised by them. I think it's a combination of all that. Well, I don't yeah, think like, anyone's saying that, you know, Carrie is a perfect combination of all of James and Lily's good and bad qualities. I think it's what she may have meant by that is just like what I think makes a good Marauder spec with Lily and James anyway is when you when you see the qualities that each of them passed on to Harry from what we know of Harry and Canon, but as you're reading it, you don't consciously think of that. It just makes it a good fic because you subconsciously know that those are the qualities they passed on to Harry that make them the people they were. Yeah, I mean, the shortest, easiest way you could do it is to have James be lazy at schoolwork and obsessed with Quidditch, and you could have Lily be this incredibly self-sacrificing person, and if you meld the two of them together, you get Harry in some way. And you see that average 20 yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, if, if you hit someone in the face with it, that's fine, but usually I tend to see the characters um, more distinctly. I tend. Oh, sorry, P.S., you're just breathing into the I'm not sure how you stop oh, breathing, but but um, <laughs> stop breathing. P.S. P.S. If you could hold your breath as long as humanly possible and breathe out, you know, into the brown bag. I don't know, okay. but um, P.S. <laughs> is like yes, sir. But um, I usually just can't do that. I usually can't separate them out, and usually they're written a little bit better than that, so they just seem like real people to me. I mean, you know when you watch like really bad sitcoms and they do the flashbacks to you know when their parents went to school and it's the same actors who play the kids playing parents, and you know like you picture okay, James is Harry, Sirius can be Ron, and Lily can be Hermione, Neville is Peter, and you and you just kind of trade off, and it's just the same characters but forty years earlier. That's the thing that really bugs me. We talked about that a lot in Shoebox. One of the things I really liked that she did was that when she took the character of Lily, there's that great scene with Lily and James being all awkward together, and Lily makes the comment that she hasn't even started studying yet for her newts, and she's incredibly nervous about it. And that's not Hermione by any stretch of the imagination. That's not Ginny by any stretch of the imagination. That's really just totally unique, and even character James is just a totally unique character. He's not yet... This. He's not an exaggeration of right. Harry. That's, or, that's what fr- flusters me with, with Marauder's yeah. stuff, is when they're just exaggerations or they're carbon copies of the younger kids. You should be able to engross yourself in a Marauder fic and just forget about the fact that there are kids. And, right. and The only other way I can think of it, too, is it's difficult to read something when you know it ends in tragedy. Tina will get this. It's... Battlestar Galactica. I'll bring it up again. It's, you know, you have this... You like, see, now she knows what I'm talking about. You can and now ha- I do. You can have this universe where everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden there's this massive holocaust and there's just a handful of people left and this journey they have to go on after their civilization is destroyed. You have the Marauders, you have this cluster of, of friends. It's like the Breakfast Club. It's this usual gathering of minds. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a solace for Lily who just doesn't fit in anywhere else. And, and there are people who, even though Remus is just so upset at Sirius, if someone were targeting Sirius, he'd be the first one in line to defend him. They still love each other, even though they still drive each other nuts. And, you know, you just look at that. It's just this, you know, incredibly powerful group of people, but you know that jump forward into, into the canon books and you go up to Prisoner of Azkaban, you're at a point now where Remus has been through that Holocaust. You know, it, it's the miniseries if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan. You, you've hit that point in your life where nothing will ever be the same again. And it's Halloween 1981. Nothing will ever be the same. Of this cluster of four best f- friends, five best friends, he's the only one left and everything went wrong. 
and it's, I guess, weird when you read the Marauder stuff. It's, you know the ending, but you don't know the beginning kind of deal. I actually just always love those stories, knowing how it ends, but not knowing why. So, Do you think, out of curiosity, this can go for everyone? Oh, Ryan, because you were talking, so I thought of you. Anyone can answer. <laughs> Hi. Do you think that in canon, say, like around book three or four, that Sirius and Lupin would have forgiven Peter if Peter had gone to them and wanted forgiveness? No. No? I don't. I think that you make... It's well. I think the theme of Joe's universe is your choices define you, and I think that Peter made his choice, and he walked down a very different path than the rest of them. So I don't think there's ever any walking back from that. You know. Well, so did Snape. I mean, Snape gets his redemption. He redeemed himself before it got too far. Well, no. Let me Wait, let this... me let me make a point there. We don't know if Snape had any close friends like that. We don't know if he ever had to betray people the way Peter betrayed James and Lily. It doesn't have anything to do. Peter could have made the choice to come back to the side of light. That's so fine. It's worse I still the, the, don't think Sirius and Remus would have forgiven him, not right. for going dark, but for what he did to Lily and James. We don't know if Snape had a best friend who he sold out, who never forgave him. We know a lot of people in the canon never forgave Snape for being a Death Eater. They might have been able to forgive Peter for going dark because, you know, people will do stupid things. He went dark. Okay. He could have come back, but then he sold out Lily and Jane. And that was the point when it stopped being, oh, he went dark and it started being personal. I completely agree with everything you just said. Many people made that choice that you do the right thing or the easy thing. And sometimes you do the easy thing, but you atone for it. Look at Narcissa Malfoy. Narcissa Malfoy atoned for a lot of what she did because she did. What did she do? At the end of Deathly Hallows. No, I mean, what did she do that she had to atone for? You don't know if she's ever a death either, but she's married to Lucius Malfoy. She obviously knew things. She was obviously a very smart woman. She knew what was happening, and she stood by Lucius all of that time, and she's with... Well, no, she's with Bellatrix, going to Snape's um, house at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince, and Narcissus shooting at a fox, and she thought it was a horror, and you can't imagine her, you know, like, could you imagine Narcissus standing there if Bellatrix had just killed an horror and trying to, you know, make a citizen's arrest? of Narcissa. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, she was obviously <laughs> in on that, but she did atone for it. Not, not to get off topic. This is one of the things I always think about in this fandom, and that's how much are we sort of biased by our viewpoint in the sense that if you consider this to be a real war, the Death Eaters are the equivalent of Nazi Germany and the, the equivalent of, I don't know, the Confederacy in the South. I, I still don't think you can necessarily condemn everyone who just happens to be fighting on that side in a war because their families fight. You know, you know what I'm saying? That in a war, I think this you have to differentiate between people who say do unusually criminal acts and someone say who's the equivalent of a... Like, I don't think Narcissa did anything worse than someone like Moody did. She just did it on the other side. And well, Moody was a member of the Order, and you could think of him as, like, a front-line foot soldier. I mean, Narcissa, if you want to make the comparison... Okay. Narcissa's Hitler's <laughs> wife. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, no, she's... No, no. Because she knew what Draco's assignment was. She knew what that task was. And I don't think Lucius or Draco would have told her if she wasn't a Death Eater. We have no reason. She figured it out. Well, no. She knew what was going on. She knew that Voldemort was making Draco kill Dumbledore to punish Lucius. She knew that. And there's no way she would have known that if she wasn't a Death Eater. I agree. That's not true. If she found out the assignment from either Draco or, or Bella, and she pieced it together, I mean, 
Let me ask you a question. I don't think either Bella or Draco would have told Narcissa the plan if she wasn't in the inner circle. I'll put and Draco. Here's, and here's the other side of this, too. I think I was having this conversation with P.S. That if you take the Order of the Phoenix, right? If you're assuming that, which I, I think it, it's pretty clear that it is, but if you assume that the wizarding government, it's an elected government body by the general public population up until book seven, then isn't the Order of the Phoenix basically an illegal vigilante society taking justice into their own hands? Are you watching Star Trek? Well, it's always amusing to okay. me. That, like the head, of, the head of the police. This would be like if the New York City, you know, police commissioner was also the head of the local I mean, gang. Like, okay, that's, okay. That's always Fudge the, if Fudge is the elected representative of the wizarding population, right? We have and he's I'm not corrupt. Talking, he may be corrupt, but I'm talking about before the Death Eaters start mind controlling people. You have an illegitimately elected government first under Fudge, then under Rufus. In which case, Mike's on this a is basically basis with Rufus, apparently. <laughs> in, in which case, the Order of the Phoenix, it'd be like the equivalent of like in our, our war on terror. We felt the government wasn't doing a good job, so a bunch of citizens grouped together for the best of reasons, the best of intentions. Well, I've, I've got a little bit. I've got a good response to that. But Rena, what were you going to say? First of all, you cannot, cannot argue that people who were fighting on the side of the Death Eaters didn't know what they stood for. You can't make that comparison because there were people in Germany who put their lives on the line to escape. There were people who refused to fight and went to the concentration camps. Everybody that fought as a Nazi in Germany was there because they wanted to be there. And you can't draw a parallel with the Civil War because that wasn't – everybody they, thinks, they oh, it's slavery, black or white. It, it wasn't that. The slavery issue wasn't the big linchpin of the Civil War. It was about economic reasons. And people, when it comes to genocide, okay, there is not a single person who was a Death Eater who wasn't there because they did not believe what was going on. Every single person that picked up a wand against a muggle I don't, or I, against I don't another agree with you. Well, Let me just jump in here for one second. The one thing I do want to say, um, I agree with virtually everything Rena said. I want to make one comment on something Mike said. The only difference I would make with what Rena said is when you get to a point in in fighting, when one, when when you know the dark side, the bad side, the bad guys, it becomes so overwhelmingly powerful that say you're in a French town that's been captured, and you're not a member of the resistance, you know, movement, but you're you know a regular guy and you have a job and you have a wife and you have kids. Okay, we're going to make you a death eater. Now, you may not believe a thing that the Death Eaters say, and you may be willing to join the Order of the Phoenix in a second, but maybe you've been captured. So, do you say you're a Death Eater and go to the meetings and wear the badge, but try and actively subvert the Death Eaters? Or do you, you know, like... Except except that nobody would be able to do that. The only person who was even able to fool Voldemort was Snape. Right. No, what I'm saying is... Mike, let me just get one thing. Mike, let me just, go one, Mike, let me just go one point out. The, the, the one thing I just want to say is you could hypothetically argue that if the Death Eaters had captured Hogwarts and captured the Wizarding World, you would be into a situation where you would have, okay, say the entire Wizarding World had been subdued by Voldemort. He wanted to make Neville a Death Eater. They would be going around telling every single person, you are now a Death Eater. You're going to the monthly meetings. You're going to pay your $99 membership fee, and you are now a card-carrying Death Eater. These people aren't going to believe in it. Some of them will say, screw you, you're going to have to shoot me dead, and, and you know the Death Eaters will do that. Some people would do it, hoping to God they could find a way to live a little bit longer to overthrow them. So 
there are circumstances under which I could see people being forced to become Death Eaters down the road if it got to that point. But I guess what I was trying to get at is I think there's a difference between someone who Voldemort's inner circle, like the original people, the original, like the Lucius Malfoys, but then you look at, say, Draco's generation, and I'm thinking their entire family are Death Eaters. And I can understand why if your parents are Death Eaters, your uncles are Death Eaters, your aunts are Death Eaters, you're joining that side. Just like in Nazi Germany. It doesn't excuse what their cause did. But but I can understand why individuals went that way. I don't think necessarily every individual who fought for Nazi Germany was evil. I don't necessarily think every single individual who fought for Voldemort, even if they were relatively willing, is necessarily an evil bastard. Otherwise, if that was the case, it wouldn't have been, I think, as evenly split in the Wizarding Societies I think it was. The point of the Death Eaters during canon isn't like Nazi Germany. It's more like the KKK. It's a smaller group. It's a more exclusive group. It's a group where people yeah. go to join. They aren't joined. Or call Voldemort supported. But even like, 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 I'm thinking more of the younger generation whose parents are all in this. And I'm thinking if my parents from a young age were members of this, realistically, am I choosing this because I want to commit genocide? Or is, am I choosing this because this is what my family expects of me. And not, that doesn't mean what they did is right. Well, you know, let's look at Sirius and Regulus Black. And you can do that, yeah. And they're brave I mean, for that, but I don't think... I, think I mean, like if they were in just that situation you just described, where their parents, their, the Black family, and uh, Sirius's parents, from what we understand from canon, were not Death Eaters, but they firmly believed in the Muggle... Pure born blood. versus pure blood idealism, and Sirius totally rejected it and, and made his own yeah. path. Right, but that's not well, to say that just because because Sirius was strong enough to do it, that that means because Draco wasn't strong enough to do that, or his family situation was he had a better, more loving family. It seems than Sirius did. That you know, I, I don't blame Draco anywhere close to the same extent I blame. Yeah, but no, other but death the, and this is the whole point of the entire series. It's about your choices. And Draco chose... Right. And what we're saying is Narcissa did redeem herself. Yeah, to follow the Which means back. that she had something to redeem herself from. Yes. Narcissa Malfoy was Draco Malfoy's That's what wife. started the whole there discussion. Isn't, there, isn't, so. there isn't a bit of evidence in the books that she was in the other room. This isn't Tony Soprano portraying himself as the waste disposal guy. <laughs> I have never seen a full episode of The Sopranos. I have no idea if his wife was in on it in the beginning or if it's just... She knew. Right? Yeah, but, you know, this isn't a case where Narcissa thought that Lucius went to the recycling plant every morning <laughs> with his little lunchbox with the Care Bears on it, and you had no idea he was a death either. I mean, I didn't know where he went. I mean, she was someone who actively knew. She knew that Dumbledore was going to be murdered, didn't do a thing about it. She knew straight out, she knew that she's with Narcissa, who, um, by the way, isn't my cousin who I'm out with now the convicted felon who just escaped from Azkaban, perhaps I should call the authorities? She didn't, I mean, <laughs> Narcissa knew, and standing next to Voldemort, who could strike her down and kill her in a second, she saved Harry Potter's life in the event it could save her sons. So she did do something which, literally, Narcissa Malfoy saved the Wizarding World. She didn't, but, do you it. Know, she didn't do it to save the Wizarding World, but she, she saved... She did to save Draco. She did to save Draco, but in doing so, she saved the Wizarding World. Regulus Black was a Death Eater, and he helped to defeat Voldemort. The, 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 you know, Snape was a Death Eater, and he helped to defeat Voldemort. The purpose of the story isn't that if you make one mistake, 
you know, your life is over. You may suffer consequences for it, but you know, redemption is possible, but your choices do matter and your choices do have consequences. Right, which I guess is my original point all the way back at the beginning with Peter, whether he could have redeemed himself. I don't... Right, but I don't think they would have forgiven him. That's the thing. There's a there difference. There will always be, always, 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 always be a price tag for what Peter did to James and Lily. There will always be that price tag. And especially when you read She's story, Lily's tutoring him in, I think it was Charms or Transfiguration, and, you know, Sirius is saying, I'm going to get you through these classes, and James is saying, you know, we're all in this together. And think of what he did to the three of them. He got Lily killed, he got James killed. He, he you know, ruined their son's life for the first 11 years he was alive, and he, you know, arranged for Sirius to be put into Azkaban for years, and he left Remus as the last man standing who was absolutely devastated by what happened. He de- he destroyed all of their lives. And when they offered him and she's story, which I think is the more dramatic version of telling the story, when all they offered him was friendship, and we don't know where the story goes from here yet, but all he offered them was friendship. You know what? If somehow Sirius hadn't died in order... You know, Sirius and Remus were involved in some type of battle at the end of, of Deathly Hallows, and, and Peter Pettigrew showed up, and he somehow was able to say, look, I've destroyed your lives, I've done awful things, but I'm going to go out there and save your lives now, please forgive me. I don't think they could forgive him, but would they not murder him on the spot if he if they truly felt that he was going to do something for the good guys? Maybe. I mean, they're never going to get to the point where it's all forgiven and forgotten and let's go play golf. They will never get <laughs> to that point. But there is the possibility that they, they could recognize that he had felt redemption, but I never get the sense that he felt redemption. You know, you could argue in the last moments of his life maybe a little, but he, he was a wasted character by that point. I don't look at that so much as, as redemption yeah. as penance. Yeah. That's true too. That's a good point too. But that, I mean, I think the best thing that she was able to do in the in the first seven chapters is she was able to craft a Lily who I like very much, and she yes. was able to use the character of Peter Pettigrew. This is the last person I expected to see reading the story. I mean, even look at them in Shoebox, which is you know a, a, you know this renowned story, and you have the Marauders writing these really detailed and thought-provoking letters to each other that you as the reader just, you know, pour over. They're so well done, and, you know, they, they show so much of the inner characters. Then you get one from Peter Pettigrew, and it's like, I like socks with the S drawn backwards, and, you know, he hit Professor McGonagall in the face with the note as he was trying to pass, and he's just an absolute doofus. So I like the fact that he's a more dynamic character in this. I do. Yeah. I like his reason for turning, too. Or what I'm assuming is going to be its reason for turning. Or the the setup for it. Yeah, the setup. Because I don't think it was any one thing. Right, yeah. But I, I like the idea that he's going into it because he wants to be more like James and Sirius. I like the irony right. of that. It is very ironic. Rin is like, I hate the Marauders. <laughs> I don't hate the Marauders. Oh, Rinna, the snark is back. So was she not serious when she said that? No, she actually. Yes, that, that was that was Rena telling a funny. That was that was Rena. In fact, I, I don't hate the Marauders. I really don't. I just, <laughs> I don't know. Rena's hiding the fact that she's doing her nails right now. Everybody. <laughs> she she mocks me because it's all true, every word of it. Mike, before I go any further, yeah. did you tell us your your point of extreme confusion with these chapters already? Oh yeah, we did that. And we okay, did don't surprise. I'll, li- I'll listen to it tomorrow. I'll, I'll be surprised when I listen. I love it. every every time we podcast with Mike. I get the same message from him an hour before. I am so confused. <laughs> so it just it, it, it always cracks me up when we have Mike on. You never know what you're going to hear when you have Mike on. That's the, the podcast. P.S. How you doing? I'm good. 
doing great. You sound like you're doing great. Good. <laughs> P.S. Have you slept in three days? <laughs> I, I I have actually. It's, 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 I haven't. It, it's nice to hear from you. It's so much less restful when you sleep on your living room couch with your lights on. Oh God. Well, I can see. Now that. we have to hear from Papa Roach again. Poor baby. Oh God. Can I just tell I, you? I really I, want someone to come over and find it. Can I just tell you? I love Keza. I love Keza from our forums so much. I don't know what it is, but the fact that Keza is from Australia, she puts things in a way that just—it. I don't know. It's like when you look at someone from England and they're brushing teeth, you just think it's cute. Like you don't know why. It's just you get in your mind the thought that this should be different. The messages I got from Keza in regards to Mike and the cockroach. Because uh, I'm sure is going to laugh at me and make fun of me. I'm sure. Did you or did you not offer to pay my travel expense? Come I did. It's still up. If anyone wants to come up here to hunt this thing down, are you still hiding it? in your in your apartment from the? He is. Yes. Yeah. I'm still. I am able to go. It, it could, I don't know whether it's still alive or it's hiding behind something. I don't. I can't sleep in my bedroom because I'm afraid it'll come out again. I don't want to go looking for it because I'm afraid it'll jump at me. I don't know. Mike, you sound like my 12-year-old daughter <laughs> who won't uh, everyone, go everyone come in the basement me. because she saw a spider down here three years ago. I had the exterminator <laughs> come in and I asked him to go look for it. I got a freaking finished basement with a bumper pool table, two TVs, a a DDR, a Guitar Hero. I, I got everything down here that a kid could desire. She hasn't been down here in three years because she saw a spider. I'm the same one. And wow. the exterminator, all he told me was, I bet on you in a fight, and he wouldn't go looking for it. Like, I wanted him to go hunt it down, he wouldn't go looking for it. He just put traps down and said, I bet on you in a fight. Hold on, I have yeah. to read Keza's message here, because Keza has, as I said, Keza cuts to the just the heart of the issue. Rena, you have oh, to I- spend a day with <laughs> Keza. You, you just won't believe what you're missing right now. Keza rocks. Well, I'm sure she said something very embarrassing about me. Go for it. Okay. Message. Here's the message you I got You gotta do Keza. the accent too, Ryan. I, there's no way I can do the accent. <laughs> I can't do the accent. Because it always comes out British. I don't know what Mike said here, but I, I forgot the context. But I think it was the fear cockroach that made Mike talk. I had him in one window last night on a table in deathly fear of a roach, waiting for the exterminator, and Dave in another telling me he had a prowler outside his house, which turned out to be an exterminator. I didn't have a prowler outside my house. No, Dave. No, Dave did. Dave thought there was a prowler outside oh, his okay. house, so he was hiding on a table at the same point that you thought there was a ah. cockroach in your apartment, and the prowler was actually an exterminator, which I thought was some of the music. That is ironic. Yes. And the, the one thing that Keza cracked up were was, and I quote, he was distressed when I explained to him that the exterminators didn't respond like the emergency services, like you can call 911 <laughs> and the exterminator will show up at your house three minutes later. Oh, it doesn't work that way. Well, like seven hours. Well, I hope that you find the cockroach before Jen gives birth. I'm trying to decide whether I want to trick someone to come over to visit me and then drop really casually, like, hey, while you're here, you want to do me a favor and look under my bed for a cockroach? You gotta or go get should... one of those things that Rina had. All right, Mike, yeah. Mike I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find you a good way to put this. How big is the cockroach? It was big. It was a water bug, they called it. All right, give me a size here, like two inches. Um, it's from, like, if you picture my finger. Yep. The size from, of a uh, small pony. It's, it's almost the size of my thumb. Okay, it's the size of your thumb. Okay, Mike, I'm going to put this gently. You're 23 feet tall. <laughs> Step on it. You can take the roach. You're not like, like, seriously, the one thing I want to see before I die is you and P.S. standing side by side, because P.S. is like the size, arguably a little bit bigger than an Oompa Loompa, and you're the size of the Empire <laughs> State Build, so that would be a fun photo to have side by side. But I think you can take the roach. I can't sleep in there, because if I fall asleep, you can come on the bed again. You have to, if you go Mike, in there, Mike, you have to you, kill it. Yeah, you, you have to kill it. 
And you can't replace your sheets and your books. Because I already you threw them out. You threw out your sheets and your you books? Idiot. I, I know, I know Kesa said not to, but I couldn't imagine ever sleeping on the damn things again. Oh, I thought you threw No matter how many times out. I washed it. You're, You're such a little girl. You can send me your book. I'll take your books off your hands. But, uh, Did you know that cockroaches are one of the number one causes of indoor allergens? Didn't know that. I did not know that. I know. I didn't either. The guy said he would die in three or four days, probably. Mike, wasn't so this like a dead. week ago? It was like, was it Monday, Tuesday? Okay, and so it's dead by now. It get could be, one it could, little, but it get could be on one, one of the traps. I don't want to like pick up a trap and have its legs twitch or something on me. Well, you know what, Mike? There's just no solution other than to move. Yeah, you're gonna have to move. That's what I did. La- people, think I actually did literally move last time I saw a cockroach. All right, can I point out? I had this entire elaborate plan to proposed to Danielle. We were going to go down by the Brooklyn Promenade. We were going to bring our Harry Potter books. I had the oh. Will You Marry Me ribbon in the Harry Potter book. I had this entire oh. plan. We had to get down there in time for the bench to be available before it got too bright, before the other thing. We, we, uh, time was a factor here. And we're about to leave to go down there. And I'm, I'm giving Danielle the hardest time because she's taking so damn long to get ready and you know the, the sun is moving and it's throwing the whole plan off. And I'm giving her the heart, and she's so angry at me that I'm just hounding her so much. And we're about to leave, and she notices a cockroach in the bathroom. (laughs) So she looks to me and says, you're going to have to kill it. And I said, okay. Now, I devised this entire battle strategy to kill this cockroach. Like, I had Ross Perot's wall charts, and I I formed this entire... Because it was behind the toilet, you see. So, like, we had to, like, we had to move in for the kill. And... So I, of course, I, I, I get my, you know, the hockey equipment on, and I've got the bat, and I've got the taser, and I go in there, and in the time it took me to prepare for the battle, the cockroach had escaped through the floor. It was a little hole in the floor. So I was actually, my in my first husbandly duty, I was outwitted by a cockroach. So that's my only real cockroach story I have. And by the time I finished, it was like 4.30 in the afternoon, and of course I couldn't get married then, so... Or engaged. Engaged, yeah, that too. Remember, I accidentally screwed up and told everyone I got married, and they're like, "You bastard!" And I couldn't Jen's like, out. "What?" Yeah, well, Jen, yeah, Jen. I can't figure out why Jen's yelling at me. So, so I think we're actually done with chapters one through seven. I hope you people got some really good analysis in on chapters one through seven before I got here, because once I got here, this place went to hell in a handbasket. I'm like, why is there so much silence in this one? Hello? I talk is always dead silence for ten seconds. The, the title of this episode will then be... Ryan comes back in with his cricket noise. Crickets. Can you imagine she, if she tunes... She tunes into this episode, and she tells her entire family about it. And she gets dressed up in her nicest, you know, dress, and she does her hair up nice, and she makes some tea, and she goes and sits down on her couch, and she turns on the podcast, and we're like, what did everyone think? And we're like, yeah, we hate the Marauders. How was your week? Yeah. We're talking about, like, uh, Nazi Germany. and <laughs> Yeah. Well, the reason I love having Mike on the podcast is you can all of a sudden be in the middle of this three and a half hour conversation on, you know, the role of, of the Confederate flag, you know, in you know, the Georgia governor race of 2002, and you won't realize that you're supposed to be talking about paradigm of uncertainty. All right, with that, we're getting out of here because, quite frankly, we're dying, and we're going to talk to you all again next week, and Chi. <laughs> we apologize. In next I week's like episode. It. We love you, Chi. In next week's episode, guest starring will be Aspen in the Sunlight, Viridian, and Melinda Leo will be here. Have a great week, everybody. Bye bye. Really, that I have to hear.
Oh, I thought you were being serious. No, that was no. the funny again, Mike. That was snark. You got me all excited, like, oh my god, it's be the coolest episode ever. Alright, it's like, if someone comes to your house, and you're like, what do you think of the way I decorated? And they say, I really like your glasses. They <laughs> hate your house. That's the only way you can possibly look. Like, or if you buy a new car, and you're like, Mom, what do you think? And she's like, great cup holder. She hates your car. You need to watch the Family Guy episode where Peter learns about sarcasm from Fouad, the foreign man in his office. I have not seen that one. (laughs) Somebody comes in and he's shaking rain off his umbrella and he goes, nice day, isn't it? And then Fouad goes, oh, ho, 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 it's funny because it's not a nice day. There's a couple of other ones, and one of them he's talking about, I can't imagine that corporations like Coca-Cola, Ford Motors, uh, Tyson Chicken, Walmart, Target, Kmart, and Martha Stewart have illegal immigrants working for them. And Fouad walks by and goes, oh, ho, 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 it's funny because they do. (laughs) 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 So that's how he learns about about sarcasm from Fouad. I love Family Guy. Or unless you watch Star Trek The Next Generation, any episode where Data tries to understand humanity. (laughs) Humor! I love it! Can I just tell you, Danielle, Danielle is watching um, The Next Generation, and she started from the first season. Rena, you'll get this. We watched the um, the episode tonight that um, had the aliens who referred to the crew as ugly bags of mostly water. Yes. <laughs> oh, I like that one. Can I just tell you, it is the episode <laughs> where the crew is under attack by a Christmas tree light. I can. That's the only yeah. possible way I can describe this episode. Ooh. And the entire, like, I just want. It's a big Christmas tree light, though. Like, this is the thing. They're in. They're in the. And the entire episode is the crew standing around the table, looking, leaning in, and squinting. And they're like, oh. And they're like, it's. It, it seems to be reacting to us. Everyone, take three steps back. And like the entire episode is them trying to battle the Christmas tree lights. And, and they're losing miserably. It is the worst. It, like, my favorite line was, like, the Christmas tree light is, like, we are at war. And Picard's first line is, we're on the defensive. <laughs> like, run away. Run away from the Christmas tree light. Right. I, I understand how... Okay, it's magically the male gets impregnated. Oh, God, Mike, Mike, Oh, Mike, oh, Mike, oh, Mike. oh. physically, how does the baby get out is what I don't it's understand. It's magic. Oh, 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 no. I have read things where there is a birth process where the baby either comes out the butt or it comes out the penis. How is the... <laughs> I have Mike, seen Mike, stories where it's awesome. done. Mike, have you ever passed a kid? None of these, I was going to say, none of these people have obviously passed a gallstone. We need to do this because Mike is suffering enough with, with the cockroach incident. Okay, Mike, here's the deal. <laughs> They, they pass, like, a kidney stone, and it's, like, the size of a pea, and then it grows into a baby. Are you humoring me, or are you being serious? Um, I, I just want you to be able to sleep tonight. It's like a marsupial. <laughs> Who is they, they, they can cut their stomachs open, I suppose, actually. Oh, yeah, no. Seriously. I mean, like, I what do you call it, the C-section? I found this one story, and I actually nominated it to Potter Seuss because it was so bad. But it was, you know, Harry had his, his muggle lover's two butt sex babies. But... <laughs> The muggle lover. Oh, oh, I can't. I get a block my ears. He well, do the guys ever have abortions? It no, because then the story would be over. Yeah, exactly. There would be well, no... You guys always want... Like, at least okay, the... so yeah. Harry has two butt sex babies by this muggle who doesn't want the kids. He doesn't acknowledge that they're his kids. But So there's a scene where Harry is giving birth to his butt sex baby. 
and he has to push the baby out. God, this is too much. And All then, right. and then, then the touching cry. scene right afterwards is Severus Snape walks in to see Harry <laughs> breastfeeding his butt sex baby. Okay, someone it's is very it's confused. The touching story. It's the most touching scene he's ever seen. That Snape has ever seen is watching Harry breastfeed his butt sex baby. <laughs> Apparently, according to this author, the only reason Snape was the way he was is because he was a Death Eater or because he was a spy for the Order. As soon as Voldemort was dead, Snape got to be his real personality. And he really was a touchy-feely, lovey kind of person who does yoga and he's a vegan. And he rescued he rescues Harry from his abusive muggle husband and, and takes the two butt sex babies. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, it was the worst piece of crap I have ever seen. Can I just in my point life. out something? I still want that thick from Ryan. You never sent me that thick, by the way. What thick? The one where all Harry does is watch TV. Okay, I found the best thick called Harry Potter and the Eagle of Truthiness. If you know who Stephen Colbert is, yes, yes. In this story, Stephen Colbert is the new. Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. <laughs> Julia just wrote a fic where the Harry Potter characters inhabit the West Wing world, and Dumbledore is the Minister of Magic, and Ron is his communications director who accidentally sleeps with a call girl, and I think Luna is the press secretary, and Snape is Toby. <laughs> th- like, Alright, so I'm getting out of here, guys, but I will talk to you all this weekend. Okay. 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 Bye. We're, we're like, Wait, bye. by the way, bye. Ryan. Yep. One last thing. What's up? If you want Jen to name her son Ryan, yep. you should quickly have a daughter and name it Jen. Then she'd really feel guilted into it. Well, Danielle's coming home at four, so we'll get right on that. Bumper chicka bow wow. Awesome. All right, talk to you guys later. <laughs> That's the idea. All right, bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. And now, a word from our peons. No one's hosting it. He's going to play Welcome Back. Um, I did it me. Why me? Because you brought it up. So should we start are the you, podcast? Are we like officially started now? Ready? Go for it. Ready. 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 Welcome back to Peoncast. I'm Keza. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Keza. I'm Jen too. I'm Tina. I'm Mike. I'm P.S. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're recording a member's choice pick. That was what I was supposed Yay. to say, wasn't it? Yeah, you were supposed to be hosting this week. We're <laughs> God, I was waiting for someone else to say something. <laughs> no, no, no one knows what we're doing this week. So we should tell them what the story actually is. That would be a great start. <laughs>
It's called Not, Not as, as a Last Resort. Resort by Arabella. Has anyone got any notes? Um, no. I can type some up. We I like agree. Gen 2 style notes. <laughs> I didn't yeah, really yeah, make any notes, notes when I read it. I'm a bit slack and lazy. <laughs> I didn't make notes because it seemed kind of straightforward. I have talking points. I wouldn't call them notes. Where does Hagrid go to the bathroom? It made me think, like, isn't it a one-room hut? I wonder where he does go to the bathroom. There's that a was, bathroom that was a in the hut. Point. That was just me thinking. I really do There's not want to think hut. about Hagrid going to the toilet. There's <laughs> a bathroom in the hut. Where do you think Hermione is sitting throughout half the story? But it's, it's a, I know in the story there's a bathroom in the hut. I'm saying it made me think because in canon it's a one-room hut. I don't Literally think it says in canon. Okay. Canon. I hate to say this, but I had the same thought today. <laughs> I always thought Hagrid, honestly, I always thought he would have had like an outhouse. Yes, he's got a dunny. I figured he went to the forest or something. <laughs> I'm rocking backwards and forwards here because you people are talking about Hagrid's toilet habits. I don't <laughs> but I mean, I mean, Hermione was sitting on the like, toilet. Like, they're talking about just... Ron vomiting into the toilet. And I'm like, <laughs> he has a one-room hut and he's good running plumbing? <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, I can't really see Haggard as being someone who would actually hit the hole. He's got the huge belly going on, you know? I can't really see it around. You know, I mean, I have to clean the toilets in this house. I know what it's like. Well, literally, I just assumed he, like, went behind some trees. I'm going to my happy you place. Know, so, and I'm seeing Ron there with his head in the bowl and I'm thinking, <laughs> you're making That's me dumb. cry. <laughs> he needs some scrubbing bubbles in there. <laughs> Talking about Gwen the Wonder Diary. Gwen the Wonder Diary. <laughs> now I have to go and see what Ryan exactly said to me because he may have lied to me. Ryan lied to you? What? He said that the diary is in after the end. I was reading it, right? And these random letters are in the middle of the fic, right? It's like H-Q-O-W or something. So he said it stands for Hermione, Queen of Witches. It's a multi-year fic that follows Hermione writing in her diary called Hermione, Queen of Witches. It's a separate fic. Oh, okay. And her diary is called okay. Gwen. Wouldn't oh, Hermione like of all lot, people actually. be and smart enough not to talk to a book? I think that point has been made before on Potterfic Weekly, as a matter of fact, back in the day. I really dislike when they have talking diaries in fan fiction. Arthur said to Ginny, you... <laughs> You know better than to talk to a book. And I think Hermione of all... We didn't say talk to books. We say talk to something you don't know where When you can't see where it keeps its brain. I think in the fic she sets up a reason for it. Yeah. I don't remember it now. I would have rather just seen a couple of paragraphs about Hermione thinking. Even writing in a diary seems kind of taking the easy way out. I don't think Hermione would write in a diary. Yeah, Hermione doesn't strike me as a diary writer. I always kind of thought of it almost as the writer taking the easy road. It doesn't require you to set a scene. It doesn't require you to get inside your character's head at all, really. All you have is really dialogue and saying things back and forth. Have any of you read the Hermione Queen of Witches series? No. 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 Talking. Stop talking now. It basically retells most of canon just yeah. through Hermione's eyes, and it uses that device to do it. And I think that little insertion of it into this fic is just a little homage to that. That's yeah, all. but I don't think many people bring it off very well. Like, I haven't read that one. It might be something that it's I would enjoy. Read. I just think a lot of writers use it, and it doesn't really work. I'm going to jump on Kez's ship. It yeah. is an easy way out when you're writing, because it's just like putting letters into a story. Yeah. Okay, I really hate this yeah. fanfic 
trope, and I don't know how many of you have seen it or noticed it, but it'll be like, Harry's POV, Ginny's POV. Like, obviously, the reader is stupid enough and couldn't tell by the fact that it is about Ginny that it is in Ginny's POV. I think you should be able to tell from the writing whose point of view it is. And if you can't, then it's crap writing. Okay. (laughs) I know that's very hard. I I love how when it's like third person omniscient, they'll say no one's POV. (laughs) I saw that once. (laughs) There's a place for most devices. I think that sometimes though they can get overused. I guess that's what I was thinking about diaries, especially talking diaries. They get overused. Whether it was for this story or not, I'm not sure. I I don't think it was really needed enough to be honest. I think think you guys feel that way because you haven't read the others. Yeah. Because, like, to me, it wasn't even an issue. Yeah, there's probably some Arabella fan out there that's cringing. (laughs) You know, like, fingernails and platforms scraping. (laughs) (laughs) They don't like Gwen. (laughs) How dare they not like Gwen? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not true. I like Gwen. I called her the Wonder Diary. (laughs) You did. You did. Gwen, the Wonder Diary. I don't think it was in the story enough to really make me like it or dislike it. It was just kind of there. I didn't particularly have any feelings towards Gwen. I'm talking (laughs) about the device, and I don't understand why people continually talk to talking diaries in fan fiction. I'm like, that's bad. But we could talk about more than Gwen. I'm sure there's more than Gwen. You were talking. Stop talking now. Thing that just bothered Oh, what bothered you? Ron and Hermione get thrown on a big blizzard and then they get lost and they end up in Hagrid's cabin and they have a... Moment. Smooch face. <laughs> My first Gen 2 note. Snape is a prick. No, he isn't. Yes, he, he is. is. What kind of thing <laughs> sends kids off into a raging well, blizzard? who thinks in Snape's defense? He gave a reasonable detention <laughs> Without for dinner. a reasonable reason. What reasonable what was reason? The charge? Did he have what to give them do? detention? They were arguing in the middle of his class. They were muttering about beetle wings. They were fighting and glaring and arguing in the middle of his class. That's a good oh, that's reason. something they would Why do every day. Why did he suddenly give him a detention for it? <laughs> you don't think any of the other kids at the other lab tables were, like, kicking each other under the table or... Flipping beetle wings at each other. They're 15 years old. In all honesty, would give attention to anyone who was doing that in his class. That's the kind of guy Snape. Right, but then to send them out in a raging blizzard. I don't think even Snape would do that. I don't think for a second he ever thought that it was more than sending them out across the snow. It's a pretty unusual blizzard in England, where like you're gonna die of frostbite before you walk back to a castle. They're in Scotland. Still, I'm sure it's pretty unusual. And it's pretty harsh. It's December 18th, and there's a blizzard. Sends them out with no supper and no cloaks. Well, they make the point earlier in the story that basically you can't see out the windows for the white. Snape probably hasn't seen the windows though. He's in the dungeon. <laughs> it doesn't freaking matter. The dungeon in the movie He's a had teacher. windows. <laughs> hey, so check this bit out because I'm bored of this conversation about Snape. <laughs> Pansy is following Harry and Hermione, and she says, you know, you two could share a name, just combine them together, Harmony, and it made me think of the Harmony (laughs) ship. (laughs) I immediately thought this is her little jab right at the beginning of the story on how many of you stupid people really think that Harry and Hermione are really going to end up together. I was thinking the exact same thing. I like the description of Pansy in this one. She's obviously an idiot. She's been poorly raised. She likes Malfoy, for heaven's sake. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm thinking now? All I can think now is that Pansy's a garden, (laughs) though. Poor Pansy. When Harry came up right after that, I totally got, like, this whole Gen 1, Harry and Leather, dark glances, (laughs) like, ooh, baby. Oh, yes. Wand raised, and his eyes are narrowed, and he's all deadly. Man. Ooh. (laughs) He's going to be effective later. (laughs) 
effective. <laughs> wow. <okay. laughs> Mike is suddenly feeling very lonely. I really, really like the joke that Ron played in Hermione. I kind of like seeing Ron smarter. She's, you know, flipping out a little bit, burying her soul. It ends up that he basically has heard every word that comes out of her mouth and he's laughed his butt <laughs> That was such it. a teenage boy thing to do. He's also 100% right. It's really hard to ask girls out. Girls have it easy. It's hard to ask out a girl when you're 14 years old. He's 15. Well, it took him a while to work up to it, but he, he performed admirably. Yeah, I don't think girls appreciate how hard that is sometimes, though. Hmm. I can tell no one here agrees with me, but that's all right. <laughs> We're all women, that's why. <laughs> we don't get it. I don't know. I was always so grateful to get asked out on a date that I always said yes. So Yeah, you're real worried, though. I never got asked. No, though. I mean, I even and said you know, yes to the ugly guys. Yeah, see, that's the thing. And the girls are all sitting there going, you know, if someone would just ask me out, I'd probably say yes. There are guys you say no to, but the majority of guys you'd say yes to. I at mean, least once. I'm, unless he was some kind of, like, you know, loser stoner. I wasn't going to say no. Guys don't know that. Well, this is a public service announcement for the men of the world. (laughs) Just ask. Just Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) There should be one dance where the girls all have to ask the guys. Yeah, that's called the Sadie Hawkins. There is. It's called a Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you know about Sadie Hawkins dance? We all rattle it off. Yeah. I went to an all-girls school and I know about Sadie Hawkins. I don't know what Sadie Hawkins is in all honesty. It's a dance when the girls have to ask the guys. I don't know what the origin is. Let's Wikipedia it. Oh, we always <laughs> had one. I don't think we ever had any in my high school, didn't? though. Oh, oh we I never had any, but I know exactly what it is. We had them. Sadie Hawkins Day, Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Sadie Hawkins Day is a fictional holiday that originates in Al Cap's comic strip Little Abner, named after Sadie Hawkins, the homeliest gal in all them hills. Each year on Sadie Hawkins Day, the unmarried women of Dogpatch pursue the single men. If a woman caught a man and dragged him back to the starting line by sundown, he had to marry her. Many U.S. high schools hold Sadie Hawkins Day dances. They are characterized by girls asking boys for dates and matching farmer clothes being worn to the dance. We did wear the farmer clothes. Well, not really? farmer, farmer clothes, but <laughs> usually like flannel shirts or checked shirts. Huh. That's funny. Well, surprisingly, I've never been to a Sadie Hawkins dance. <gasps> so he has all these problems asking her out, but he has no problem laying one on her. Oh, who else then liked the, the way Hermione engineered Ron into bed? I think that was cute. <laughs> and then when he does, he goes tops and bottoms with her. <laughs> and she's thinking, this isn't what I had in mind. <laughs> she congratulated her brain for coming up with something believable. <laughs> Such short notice. <laughs> Congratulate Seb Brain. That's classic. I had a question. Did I understand it at the end correctly, too, and that Harry was kind of trying to engineer this? He didn't report it till the morning because he was kind of hoping Ron would ask her. No, I didn't get that. What is the line? I didn't now? get that either because they could have died. I mean, was he hoping to kill them? I mean, it's one thing to, you know, maneuver your two friends into a locked room to get them together or something, but to maneuver it so Snape sends them out into a snowstorm and then not to look for them. I don't, I don't think. think Harry is perceptive enough to set people up. I don't think he could see it if it smacked him in the face. In the sequel, Ginny and Colin were just going as friends. I don't remember who Colin ends up going with, but it was someone that Colin really liked. And so Jenny tells him to go with that person, and she and Harry end up going to the ball together. Ginny and her harem. So then, but, but Harry what? was upset at the start. No, 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 no. What did you say? Well, I didn't say anything. What? No. <laughs> you said something rude about Ginny, didn't you? Ooh, me? I think it was P.S. No, it was not P.S. No, no. 
no, no, no. You said Ginny had a harem, didn't you? You are so bad. She had two boyfriends before, Harry. Two. Count them. One, two. Perfectly reasonable. Even just to say she had a ton of boyfriends. Two boyfriends before Harry. At one point in my junior year of high school, I couldn't even keep track of the number of guys I was dating. Well, it's because that's when you're supposed to be doing that so that you can find the kind of person you're compatible with. That's right. Yeah. Just because I was dating that many people doesn't mean that I was sleeping with them. I got no problems with Ginny. I just don't get it, though. <laughs> good. Why no. are you perpetuating that? I'm going to play devil's advocate and, she and get on mic and say, why are you perpetuating this? <laughs> Jenny is virginal and innocent. We love Jenny because <laughs> she's fiery and spunky and perfect for him. And agree to disagree. You know what I like? I like how Hermione wants to kiss her on even though he's yeah, been You really have to. <laughs> she really likes Likes him. Really but likes him. She gave him a peppermint you really humbug first. <laughs> That's how I know yeah. that Mr. Going left me. Mr. Kether and I were cleaning up the cat's view the other day. Oh, he cannot stand you. vomit. He can't handle it. We came home to this disgusting smell. I'm like, okay, I have to clean it up. And I can hear Mr. Kether in the background. He's trying to be brave. You're like, he's standing there with cleaning implements. Going, I'm going to help you out. And he's like, hurling. I could hear him in the background how much making these noises. And it. <laughs> Between the smell and the noises, it was disgusting. And I'm going, just get out. He's like, no, I'm trying to help you. And I'm like, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to vomit. Because <laughs> I could hear him. So then he goes out, spews all over the back steps. And so then I had to clean up his spew because he couldn't clean up his own spew. <laughs> we were in college. Mr. Gillen oh, love really potent jello shots. I imbibed. We went back to my apartment. <laughs> because he took, he made sure I got home. The next thing I know, I just right there in the middle of my living room carpet. <laughs> and I was so far gone that I just went to sleep and it miraculously was cleaned up. After that, I thought, you know, somebody really has to like somebody a whole lot to make sure that red jello gets out of the car. He's a keeper. <laughs> I think we were engaged like four weeks later after that. I want to talk about kissing. This is set after Goblet of Fire, yeah? So Ron kisses her, you know, it's all like hunky-dory, everything clicked into place, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they do the tongue thing. And it says he didn't seem to know quite what to do, which I can kind of believe that. But, like, Hermione didn't know either. I thought that she had been snogging Crumb. I really do think that Crumb might have taught her something. <laughs> I was at the impression well, that she never oh did anyone except Crumb. Well, we find Why? out in Half-Blood oh. Prince, though, that she did. Cause she, she did. Ginny she did. But yeah. back when this was written. Come on. You don't spend the entire much. year of God yeah. of Fire Hanging out with Victor Crumb. Quitted Toddy. Oh, yes, she was. I don't think she was into him. I don't think so. Okay, she's a 15-year-old girl. A 17, 18-year-old boy is paying her attention. The guy of her dreams is ignoring her A 17 or 18-year-old male that is wanted by every other female in the entire school. Who invited her to his place in the summer. He kissed her. She kissed him back. There's no question. I'm actually (laughs) rereading Goblet of Fire right now. I think that Hermione took her own advice in what she gave to Ginny. When she yeah. told Ginny to be more herself around Harry and date other people 
people and move on. That's what she was doing in Goblet of Fire. Well, I think she was Absolutely. Herself. And in Half-Blood Prince, it's obvious Hermione had confided in Ginny that her and yeah. Victor had kissed. And this was written right yeah. after Goblet of Fire, and we didn't have all that interaction of Hermione yeah. writing letters to Victor. What are we referring to that she tells Ginny that makes us think she was kissing Victor? Because Ginny said Hermione in showed Half-Blood Victor Prince. Yeah, and then Ron yeah. asks Harry, yeah. and Harry even thinks so. Now, Harry is a clueless yeah. male. If even Harry thinks that Hermione snogged Victor Crumb, then I think we can safely say Hermione snogged right. Victor Crumb. I don't think we're beyond that. <laughs> See, to me, even before I read Half-Blood Prince, just I would have thought that, you know, without even the Half-Blood Prince information, I mean, just, Hermione just, just Victor Crumb you being know who that Victor Crumb was, Prince. she was going to snog him I at reckon. least once just so that she could say she snogged him. I would have. If she went out with Victor Crumb and she went to a ball with him, and I'm not saying she did it maliciously. I'm just saying that, you know, if the opportunity was there and she dated him, she snogged him. She did. If you're going out on a date with a hot dude that's totally into you, like he was, he was totally into her. Take our word on that. And when you're a 15-year-old girl and he's 17, Yeah, yeah. He was totally into her. He was illegal in some states. Kissing is not illegal. Well, what are you on the back? It's a Georgia thing. <laughs> it is when you're in a parked car in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Because to me, on my first date with Tia, uh, I'm not going there. I think there. technically it comes to <laughs> even kissing girl. would be illegal, I think. Wouldn't it be? Kissing is not illegal. <laughs> you don't remember that case in Georgia? We're was sorry 17. to the... We just offended all Georgians. No, I'm referring to... How is it possible to, for it to be illegal for a 17-year-old to kiss a 15-year-old? Uh, How? You don't remember there was that case a while ago where he got 30 years... At least he didn't say... What would I remember? I'm not American! He <laughs> got 30 years in prison now. Kissing and oral, oral sex, sex are not it's even like close. Kissing is not girl. illegal. My You're a lot of stop people. Just no. So I think it's a very nice kiss, by the way. Getting it back is. To it's pick. very sweet. They, they don't know, know what, what they're doing, doing, which I find a little difficult to believe. Even if you know what you're doing, that first quit kiss with someone, it's like that which way is the head going and which way, you know. Oh. And Well, you know what? Mr. Kesser and I had the same problem the other day because he's got braces right and he had... <laughs> Seriously, you're laughing at me now. Seriously, no, check this out. He's got braces and he went and got them adjusted. And there we were kissing and it was just like really weird. And I'm like, what are you doing? It just felt really strange. And we actually had to work out how to kiss again because his teeth have moved. And then we didn't know what we were doing. And we've been married nearly nine years. So, yeah, I see that now. She shut her eyes and felt his kiss drive all the way into her toes. It was a tingly kiss. (laughs) It made me warm and fuzzy. It made me remember my first kiss. Mine was really wet. You're Harry. (laughs) No, mine was I'm, really nice. I'm happy for you. I just remember yeah. needing a towel after. <laughs> we should all tell first kiss Tina. stories. We've got one wet, one not. I'm trying to remember what mine was. I don't remember my first kiss, like first. Really? No, it's all a blur. I remember a boy kissing me. No, dance, I'm talking about your first. I, I, so I guess technically that's my first kiss, but. I'm not talking about some smooch. I don't remember it. I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I was. I'm serious. See, this is why if some bloke what? had asked me out, I would have said yes. They just never did. <laughs> did you guys not play kissing games when you were like junior high school? 
Nope. Yeah, I've never you know, got... Seven minutes in heaven, no, spin the truth bottle, or dare. Or, yeah. No, nope. I never did that either. We did that instead of health class. We'd all play like two games in the back. In year seven, all the year sevens, what you do is you'd get with someone pretty much based on not whether or not you liked them, but who was available, you know. But there was more girls than guys in my little primary school. You'd all get with someone, you'd go up on the oval, and I was always the lookout because when the teacher would come up onto the oval, then, you know, I would have to <laughs> warn them so that they would all stop getting on with each other. She was the prefect. That was my yes, role. <laughs> I was Percy. <laughs> I haven't Percy got some before I did. Percy would have turned him in. That's Told you. Not a real it was truth or dare game. Or seven minutes in heaven, like, whatever you want to call it. To give me some back of the hell class story. That's crap. That's literally my first kiss in terms of, you know, tongue and what have you. Yeah, but you when the first you actually liked a girl and actually meant kind of to kiss her. Um, I don't know. Probably a secret one, maybe. What was it like? Guys don't do that kind You're of. So totally a guy. <laughs> what was you it like? It was my first I don't know. kiss story. <laughs> this whole thing's yeah. a very girly conversation. I'll just say that. Oh, shush. What's yours? It was in kindergarten, and this boy who decided he. He liked me, just kissed him. Let me put it this way. I'm listening to how you guys describe kisses and all that stuff, and I'm thinking back to how guys talked about it. I'm like, this conversation is so clearly a girl-dominated conversation. Because the guy conversation immediately goes, yeah, how far did you get? That's the first thing the guys say. All right, how far did you get then? I can be a bloke. I'm going to turn up the testosterone. Or, um, what, what I'll scratch was she myself. Hot? I'll scratch myself. And now, hey, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> how far did you get, you mate? Second base. <laughs> yeah, and the, the guys always say they went a base further exactly, than they Exactly. Really it's always one base more. I don't know, but in That's this right. fic, Ron and Hermione yeah, only get sure. to first base, and they have a very sweet and wonderful first kiss. Anyone have any final thoughts about, um, what's it called? <laughs> Not as a last resort. We just talked about the thing for like an hour and I, I can't remember it. what it's called. Oh, okay. <laughs> Final thoughts about not as a last resort? Yeah, I liked Hermione a lot in this, which surprised me. I love it just because it brings me back to my early fan fiction reading days because the Sugar Quill, I think, was the first fic site that I trove through. I think I read all of Arabella's stuff first, and so it just brings me back to those days. And I like it because it's post-Goblet of Fire, and there still was kind of an innocence to it that yeah. some of the later fanfics, you know, post Order of the Phoenix didn't have. Yeah, they get a bit sexy, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you all Bye. next week. Bye. Good night. Good night.